What's up, players? Welcome to episode number 49 of Ready Press Play, your weekly source for everything that's new and exciting in the world of video games. Every Friday on your favorite podcast service, we'll be discussing the top news of the week, notable releases on all platforms, what we're playing, big topics of the industry, and the games we love. If you want to write anything to be read on the show, go to readyplaynetwork.com or just hit us, hit us up on Twitter or TikTok at Ready Press Play. Nice one. Uh, no matter where you found us, please subscribe to the feed so you can get every new show directly to your device as soon as it posts. And if you like it, please leave us a nice review. I'm your host, Louis Manchaka, and I'm joined today, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Daniel Lima. Hello, hello, Louis. How are you doing today? Man, we are had, we had a crazy-ass uh, last two weeks here, man. We've been hella busy. Like the, It's mm-hmm. like... It's like with Christmas and the holidays, man. It's like you got to do some holiday shopping and, and like the office does mm-hmm. like early gift exchanges and stuff like that. Secret Santas. Oh, man. It's a whole it's a whole juggling act, man. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I've <laughs> been busy with all sorts of things. It's like I, I'm moving. I am working on all this immigration paperwork that just takes so much time. And it's just so difficult for no reason. It's like, why do you need to fill out the same thing, the same information in the same like types of forms like 20 times and it's hilarious too because they with any kind of immigration stuff they always ask you all these questions about whether you've committed crimes or not and you're supposed obviously you know you're supposed to say no but like why do they even ask it's not like anybody's gonna say yes and and, and, but they go so specific with it though it's like there's legitimate quotes where some of them are like have you ever forced somebody that you knew to have an abortion it's like wow (laughs) damn or have you ever committed genocide in a foreign country? It's like, oh my no. God. <laughs> yeah, Holy no shit. joke, dude. They're like, they're crazy. Um, you get, I remember when you're applying for like a, a US visa, you have to do this form where they have, a, it's like one particular section of the form is a hundred questions or something like just about crime. And they're, they go very specific. They start with like, have you ever done drugs? And then they end with these very specific scenarios of like, have you ever kept somebody from their family against their will and then forced them to undergo, you know, a, a medical process that they didn't want to? <laughs> it's like all these crazy things. Um, and then you I just think answer it's more no like they're everything. just trying to wear you out just to like make you confess or something like that. Or yeah, other than I don't that, know, or they're man. just trying to catch you in a lie. They make you answer the same question twice. Like I, I, when I applied for like a job, my current job uh, that I have like a long time ago, like, uh, you know, a lifetime ago uh, during the application process. Uh, they would ask you the same questions, but like, you know, like, like, you know, how like you would answer a question and then three pages later, you got the ne- the exact same question. Mm-hmm. It's like they're trying to see if you answer it differently or, you know, mm-hmm. like try to catch you. Uh, <laughs> any inconsistencies and that kind of stuff? Oh, yeah. But yeah, just working on that stuff. And uh, thankfully, I got like a lawyer team helping me out through my company. So that's nice. But yeah, there's that and Christmas stuff and moving and doing this podcast. And, you know, I've been recording so much uh, recently, you know, between the stream and and the recordings, the pre-recordings that we've been doing uh, like Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday nights. We've been busy with this stuff. So it's it's been quite a busy few weeks. And I'm really looking forward for the next um, three weeks being a little bit more chill. Um, (laughs) And I, I think they will be because... Despite the fact that there's still going to be a few things that I'm going to have to do here and there, I I won't be working for a time frame of it. So that will clear out a huge portion of my schedule. Um, and then obviously we're not going to be doing this stuff um, for the next few weeks. So that's that's going to be yeah. good. 
That's the, that leads us, in, leads us into the housekeeping perfectly as we segue into that, because yes, we have pre-recorded episodes, episode number 50 and 51, which are next Friday, which is next Friday is Christmas Day, and the following Friday is New Year's Day. We will be posting our episodes, but they're already recorded in the, in the bank, so uh, they're pretty good episodes. They're very awesome. I, I like the way they came out, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, definitely, if you, uh, there are listeners out there that tell me that they like to listen for lore and stuff like that. These are good lore-based episodes right here. So. <laughs> um uh, at least episode 50 is that specifically though but um so there's that and then uh we will not be reconvening until uh the seventh for us for us to record and the eighth is when it posts so the next regular regular episode is going to be the eighth so any any news that breaks during the, our holiday break is we're not going to be covering it until we get back but you know what's kind of crazy is that for like episode 50 you would think that like, oh it's it's number 50 or and then it's going to be episode 100 and like you know like those bigger like milestone episodes it's like we're it's a pre-recorded episode stuff but, uh, but at least when we come back by the way it's gonna be episode 52 which is the full complete year so yeah. it'll be our one year anniversary of us starting the podcast when we get back so that's mm-hmm. cool too um but yeah all right so there's that and uh with that out of the way let's get into the games we are playing So, Dan, we've been pretty busy, and uh, admittedly, we haven't been playing much games. You know, I'm stuck in my Fortnite ways and stuff like that. You know, I played as Master Chief, and um, we... How was uh, that? You know, he's actually, it's actually pretty cool. He's got, like, the the little, his one of his emotes is him riding on the, the car. You know, like, uh, what's the name of that car in, in Halo? The, the Warthog. Warthog. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's got that as his emote. And in his, uh, you know, that ship that we're flying in and when we and the, and the cutscenes for Halo 1 and mm-hmm. stuff? Yeah, he, that's his glider, is that ship. I was like, that's so awesome. And it's got the cool sound effects and everything. Yeah, it's perfect. I um, wonder if, uh, I wonder if by the time the Halo Infinite comes out, Lewis, we are going to have managed to turn ourselves into Halo fans like <laughs> you know what i mean campaign. like we're gonna have every uh, spoiler cast done in time yeah because yeah, we're gonna have time for it. i mean we have you know probably a full year from now in fact the the speculation is that the game is probably going to come out on november 15th which is the the anniversary of the release of the original halo apparently um so with them announcing it for fall 20 fall 2021 that would make sense that they would maybe want to hit that date and then and then make it a big cool celebration so I we have time to uh, play all the Halo games if we want because the campaigns are relatively short, right? Like they they can all be beat I think in, in 10 under hours. ten hours. So yeah. um, maybe maybe we can do that, and then we're gonna be like you know we're we're gonna be with Halo what I was with rock music in in high school, which is that <laughs> I uh, I started playing Guitar Hero and then suddenly I was into rock when I'd only really known whatever the tracks that were in Guitar Hero over the last year. <laughs> Yeah, and suddenly I'll have like actual achievements on my Xbox profile for once, you know. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no, dude. I think we're playing a time, which is kind of crazy to think that. Like, I think the plan was to only have beaten Halo One by the time Halo Infinite released, because that's all we discussed on the back end. But of course, we delayed that playthrough of Halo One because of the, the delay in Halo being, you know, public and stuff. So, but it's interesting to think that like I would have went from Halo One to Halo Infinite like straight up with no context of the story and just basically sort of going with it. I just naturally assume that every game in the franchise is a good is a good starting point they always game designers want to make it so that it's 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 friendly to uh newcomers you know that's why with the witcher 3 they just sort of like subtly dropped the number three from the from the marketing material and called it mm-hmm. the witcher colon wild hunt and stuff which mm-hmm. i think with halo infinite you know being like a sort of a semi-reboot of the series because they're no longer calling it halo 6 which i would have preferred but the biggest telltale sign is whenever they're going to start calling subtitles and stuff is when with Halo 5, it was called Halo 5 colon Guardians. So it's mm-hmm. like you're transitioning away from, 
you know, that that they did that they did the thing with the Assassin's Creed where it's like Assassin's Creed four, 4 Black Flag and then by the time you get to Assassin's Creed 5 it's just it's just called Syndicate or Unity or whatever the hell. Yeah, yeah the so. only problem with that, you know, I'm usually a defendant of going with subtitles as opposed to numbers, but the only problem with that when you think about it is that after you've had enough um subtitle games with no numbers to them you lose track of what came when and it becomes really hard to remember so like with assassin's creed right like anything between black flag and now the latest one which is valhalla feels like a little bit of a blur where i'm like you know origins, did, yeah, yeah yeah did unity come before rogue or syndicate and, and then i kind of got to go through this mental process of where was i at when that came out and then i can kind of <laughs> i can kind of figure it out that way so yeah it's um, interesting i kind of wish i kind of wish that assassin's creed like you know stayed the course i also hated super mario uh super mario party for not making it called mario party 11 because mm. like i believe mario party 10 is the highest numbered sequel game out there mm -hmm. i believe i can't i mean i can't think of anything that goes that goes to double digits no well no you're wrong you're you're absolutely wrong oh yeah because there's final fantasy oh wow okay yeah final fantasy got all the way to 15 and now 16 announced so there's that. <laughs> nice. Okay. Well, I mean, does that mean? Okay. I guess that's true. That's interesting. Good uh, point taken there. But anyways, uh, so yeah, man, we're uh, we went on some tangents there, but yeah, I played. We got some Master Chief action in in, uh, in Fortnite. Uh, Daryl and Michonne from The Walking Dead are out right now as we speak. Uh, I haven't I haven't purchased them yet, but um, you know, it's just gonna be more of the same. You know, that kind of stuff. There's skins. It's that's awesome. My skin collection is rid ridiculously good, by the way, and uh, they added more slots to the the thing because like there used to be a thing where you can have ten presets saved, but now that's up to fifty, which is perfect because now I can fit all of my Marvel characters. Um, and then so there's that, and then we then transition to our Ready Press Play stream. So every Tuesday, well not anymore actually, but typically it was every <laughs> Tuesday we were doing Twitch.tv slash Ready Press Play. You know, you can watch the vods. Um, we have the uh, we did Halo Combat Evolved. We did chapters, I believe, six and seven. Mm -hmm. And so we're getting close towards the end of the game. And uh, the things that the, the plot was spicing was, you know, getting spicy and everything. And one of the things I actually wanted to like sort of like, um, you know, comment on is, you know, we actually did like a like a uh, a reaction at the end of the stream. We like sort of like we we closed out the game and we sort of just digested the game and gave our impressions and stuff. And one of the things I forgot to mention during their impressions is that I didn't even realize that, but they actually I actually didn't even know that Halo had a shotgun. Like uh, hmm. I've I've been playing like Halo multiplayer, like you know you know freaking deathmatch or whatever, and it's always the same guns. It's always the assault rifle. It's always a sniper rifle. It's sometimes a rocket launcher and stuff, and it's a pistol or a laser beam sword. But I never recall in any of my my memories of playing multiplayer Halo against other people on a on a split screen setup. I've never had a shotgun, mm -hmm. so. I actually really do appreciate that, that there's there's something new that surprises me. And I actually love the shotgun. I don't know if you know this, but like I would always go out of my way to find a shotgun on the floor because I would not want to use the AR, you know. Yeah, really you were, like you were kicking ass with a with a shotgun in that in that playthrough because those those enemies that we were going through in those chapters, they with with regular guns, you know, with the assault rifle, they took yeah. so they had to take so many bullets to uh, yeah. get killed. A whole, but, a whole magazine at that, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then whenever you showed up with a shotgun, you were just mowing them down. It almost felt like the the levels and the enemies perhaps were designed to be 
beat more easily with the shotgun. So maybe I should have gone and, and done the same thing instead. Cause I, I was almost kind of struggling cause I, I was just unloading full magazines into these dudes. And then <laughs> especially with like the, uh, the little bug critter thingies that were just fall, like jumping at you, like, you know, like yes. aliens and stuff like, like those face huggers. It's kind of crazy. Is like, you know, the shotgun because it sprays so much and has a big wide range that you can just blow up a whole like bunch of them at once. Whereas like, you know, when you're using the assault rifle, you sort of have to like hit every one of them, like every individual target. So it just kind of, yeah, it, you did, you did, uh, uh, run out of bullets a lot and uh i did too but not as much i towards the end i figured out my rhythm and stuff because like uh like towards the end i was actually alternating between my shotgun and my 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 handgun to the point where i kept a balance so i wasn't relying on one or the other so that way i can r save my ammo and, and salvage ammo ammo appropriately and stuff like that so uh but yeah no i think that um uh just as start as far as my thoughts on the game it's like um you know suddenly like just I don't know if it's because we're having more, we're, we're being more lively when we're playing, but I feel like we're having a, a more fun time playing this game than we did like the first stream. I think um, I felt like more enjoyable and I felt really good. And yeah, uh, we're definitely we definitely got the controls down. We're not fighting with it. It's like we finally <laughs> learned what the left bumper does. Um, and yeah, man, I think this is uh, this game holds up. It's I think it's I'm I'm like I'm more happy. I'm more uh, like uh, warm on this game than I am cold. Um, this time around, I, I think, um, I think that we was so awesome that we discovered a cool little like glitch in the, in the, in the porting process or in the, oh, modern yeah. warfare. that was my, like my favorite part yeah. of the stream, by the way. It's like, <laughs> oh, we got to see like the whole like map or whatever, like, you know, breaking the collision mm -hmm. kind of thing and see everything sort of connect and stuff. And, and it's not just like some, like, uh, it's not just trickery of like the same rooms over and over again, but they're actually connected to each other. Mm -hmm. So yeah, no, sorry. But yeah, I mean, I kind of hogged this. Go, what do you, do you have anything to say on Halo? No, that's fine. I, I feel like we talked so much on the, on the stream itself that um, I don't know how, how much I want to repeat myself, even though, <laughs> you know, the people listening yeah. to this probably did not watch the stream. I know. But I think, I think the game is fun. I think it holds up in many ways. I think that it, it shows its age when we realize how many times the same environment types are, are repeated and, and the same level design is repeated over and over. And it feels like for each chapter of the game, they kind of have a core idea and concept and, and then they design a few areas and then they repeat them a lot throughout the chapter. And it's not how games are typically designed anymore, or at least not like AAA games of that scope yeah. are not this, typically uh, designed last, that way anymore. These last two chapters definitely uh, suffered from sameness, I would say. Yeah. Yes, but you know we still have we still had a good time and you know I feel like even the 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 parts where I get bored of it for the same and as I think they're mostly not at the game's fault and more of a you know my jadedness if anything <laughs> and I and also like playing it you know at, at at night when I'm tired and all that stuff I feel like if it's like we're playing it together in the weekend and we were not necessarily doing it. Uh, for the stream, but just kind of doing it for fun. I feel like maybe that wouldn't bother me as much. I feel like I have a more critical eye when we're doing it for the stream, perhaps, than I would have otherwise if it was just we we're literally just playing for fun. But I still feel like the game is good. And I think that, you know, I can see why the game was great then. And I think the game is still good now. And I'm very curious to see how they're going to wrap it up over the next Three chapters. Uh, few chapters yeah. and how it's going to end. And then I'm I'm also curious to see how the game evolves throughout the series, because I also know that, you know, the, the core of Halo is the same, but I know that the game evolves and that a lot of people like Halo 2 the best, actually. I thought Halo so, 3 was the peak. Interesting. Well, I guess it depends, right? I, I think I, I, I'm curious now to see how, how it did on Metacritic ratings, but um, I think whenever I, I hear people, when people bring up Halo in conversations about you know, best games of all time, I often hear them bringing up Halo 2. Mm. But it's probably because that was, you know, 
the the first I feel like that was the biggest one in terms of multiplayer and just kind of the 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 multiplayer because it had Xbox Live because the first Halo only yes. had like LAN. Yeah, yes, so. exactly. So You're Halo right. Two with Xbox Live that that seems like it was a very impactful moment. But I, it, I also wonder. And I also heard that Halo Two has the best multi multiplayer map like uh, that's ever. Mm-hmm. Just, like it has it like it shits on everything else from my understanding as far as like the layout and it's perfect and it's balanced and you know you yeah so but anyways yeah but that's but all yeah, no, I, I, for I, me. I can see yeah. myself getting into it more. Like I can see myself you know going through the games and actually um, I definitely want to watch you know a video on the story and actually understand what the meaning of everything is and and get on board. You know I feel like I've I've been missing out on this Xbox realm all these all these years and I I I really want to be on board now because I I don't want to be uh kind of segregated to uh to my world of uh playstation and nintendo <laughs> anymore and not see what's up on the other side so yeah it's cool that we're experiencing this now and that we're experiencing it together too which also makes it a little bit more special yeah and we did that yeah. thing by the way and this last stream this is the first stream where we actually paid attention to the plot where like this the cutscenes got like you know suddenly interesting and i noticed and on the, on the playback we both did that thing where we sort of like leaned in you know, mm-hmm. it's like it's got our attention. And so I think that's really awesome that, you know, they, you know, things are, you know, spicing up and we're like, we were like calling like the plot twist just before they happen. It's like, oh, it's going to happen. And then like, you know, it's very trophy yes. in that in that regard, but it's also we love it for it, too. So, um, you know, we're going to obviously, you know, give a, like a spoiler cast on it. Of, I think, I don't know, January or February. I don't know. It just depends on what the January game is, because um, I guess we should just talk some inside baseball to the to the listeners here, but uh, we're not having a December uh, spoiler cast because we're on vacation. Uh, we're we're already busy, and you know life is chaotic as it is, so we can't squeeze it in. Um, so it was going to be Ori and the Blind Forest, but we think when we're bumping it to January, if not February, if we uh, decide to go with the Halo route. But also, mm-hmm. uh, speaking of Twitch.tv/slash Ready Press Play. Uh, we may not be on that regular Tuesday schedule anymore. We haven't discussed, we haven't finalized anything, but um, you know, we're it's, it's it's a struggle to keep have us have our schedules like you know constantly on that Tuesday dot. But um, I can say on my part, I do want to sort of keep that Tuesday thing alive, so I might solo stream on Tuesday nights uh, mm-hmm. just to keep the the Twitch the Twitch stream you know constantly streaming. Um, but yeah, I mean that's kind of like uh, what we got going on for Twitch next year. Um, I don't believe it's going to be going away, but it may not, it's not going to be what it was so far. So I don't know if you have anything to comment on that or or, or what whatnot. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't want to get too into it, other than the fact that uh, it's just being difficult uh, for me schedule wise. I feel like a lot of times I I when I get to to that time frame and and we gotta put on a show that I don't necessarily have the energy that I that I wish I did, and and a lot of times it's also gotten in the way of me being able to do other things that I need to do throughout my week. Um, so in in the intent of better managing my time and also putting it where I think it the, the return is is more positive, I, I think that it would be better if we did streams in other days of the week and in maybe a more sporadic format where it's maybe like twice a month as opposed to once a week. Right. So we're still talking about this and, and we're not we haven't fully decided exactly what we're gonna do yet, but Right sorry, now, what I think. Sorry for putting on the spot too, Dan. By the way, no, 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 that's fine. Know. Right now, what I think is probably going to happen is that Lewis is going to take over that. That's let's call it that side of the business a little <laughs> bit more uh, single handedly. Yeah. And then uh, we're gonna we're gonna do more like eventful streams together, where it's like, oh, let's get together this weekend and beat a game together, or um, yeah. like like play through something that you know I want to show Lewis this game, or Lewis wants to show me a game, and and it's gonna be more of this uh special 
event kind of thing as opposed to a uh, a regular thing that we have to do just to kind of meet the schedule. Right. Yeah, so I think yeah. that's going to work out. I mean, like I said, this is a uh, it's definitely uh it, it was definitely fun while it lasted. So Juan, thank you for for for, for being part of the ride. <laughs> but yeah, no. So that's that's that and uh like I said, 2021 it's going to be a whole new Ready Press Play. We got other things cooking in the works by the way. So some mm-hmm. teases there. So all right. <laughs> so the last thing that we got to cover in this section is oh, actually two more things, but uh Dan, it's your turn. What you got for me? Oh, yes. So I, like you, didn't really have a lot of time to play anything, unfortunately, just being really busy with the move and everything else, especially the move. And so, but I but I did get Cyberpunk day one and I, I did want to try it. So I, I just turned it on on my Series X and I, I got to play it for a little bit, you know, created my character and went through all the different sliders, you know, selected my dick type and everything and people were excited <laughs> there were about three, uh, three things. There was like the hood rat, the, the corporate ladder guy and then the desert person. Which one did you do? Yes, I picked Nomad, which mm. Nomad is the is the route where you start outside of Night City. Uh, the main reason why I picked Nomad actually is because Alana Pierce is in the game and I, I think that's pretty cool. I, I follow, she's one of the content creators that I follow outside of, you know, uh, this stuff and, and she did a character in the game voice acted and also like they modeled the character after her and she's only on the Nomad route. So that was actually my main reason there where I was like, oh, I kind of want to see Alana's character in the game. So I'm going to try this route. It was also just an interesting one anyway to me because, you know, I am playing this game, I'm a I'm a newcomer to the game, and I'm a newcomer to the Night City to Night City as a player, right? So I thought it was interesting to play from the perspective of somebody that's coming into the city, um, as opposed to the other two routes, which were people that are already in the, in the city and live in the city from the beginning, right? So I thought it might have been an almost like a an interesting, a more a smoother way in um, to to the game and. So I basically just did that, you know, created my character. I was like, I spent like 40 minutes in the in the character creation, which I have it's to say. It's crazy because I, you're in first person, but whatever. Yes. Yeah. And I'll start right there too, which is like, I am actually sort of disappointed with the character creator because I, I thought I managed to make a cool character and everything. But this, I feel like the, the, there were so many stories about, you know, how the, how the character creator in this game was, was going to be next gen and have all these crazy options. And in the end of the day, it's actually pretty straightforward. I feel like other games have gone further with it. Um, for a lot of things, you didn't have sliders. You just had like a few options instead. So for instance, I expected that I, for, <laughs> not, not like that is that important really, but when it comes to choosing the, the genitals of your character, which was one of the more unique parts of the game that people kept talking about, you only have three options and you don't get to, like there's no slider to, to configure it to your, <laughs> to your liking. It is literally, you can either have a circumcised penis or an uncircumcised penis or a vagina. And oh, that's, yeah, that's disappointing. And, and, that's kind of like the hype that's just been. Yeah, has <laughs> been killed. <laughs> which for the for the penises, by the way, you can there. There's an extra thing, which is you can pick small or large. <laughs> but that's it. There's no in between. There's no slider, and also there's no different vagina options. So you know, a little bit disappointed there. I feel like they could have gone, you know, especially with the cyberpunk theme and like this whole, you know, the people have talked about how you know body modification is a big part of uh, cyberpunk, and and so I expected them to go a little crazy with it, like give me some weird stuff, you know, like give me some weird ways to modify my character and i i didn't really see a lot of that it actually felt pretty straightforward uh hairstyle hairstyles were a little all over the place but that aside it's like i don't know it felt like pretty straightforward so nothing super impressive there uh but regardless i created my character and then you start the game it's in first person so you don't really get to see your character other than when you look at, at the mirror um it seems like a it seems like a general uh complaint 
about the game too is that after you make your character you cannot modify them at all it's like that's the character that's that's what your look's gonna be for the rest of the game there's no changing hairstyles there's no changing tattoos or whatever it's like that's that's your look um which once again doesn't really mesh with the cyberpunk theme at all but after that i just kind of went through the tutorial you know i i I played for maybe like at most two hours just went through um you, you go you go through the initial uh missions you know get get introduced to the side character that you interact with getting into the city um learn learn how to do combat and stuff so i just kind of went through that and i have to say the game it was good it was uh i had no complaints i did play it in a series x um didn't encounter any major bugs didn't encounter any major visual glitches or issues the game ran pretty well no major frame rate drops or bad resolution or any of that stuff so it was pretty it was a pretty stable and good experience as, as far as I've gone through it so far. That is on the Series X, though. Yeah, I know. That's not... going to be the big thing right there is that, well, I mean, it's it's like the Xbox One version, but ran at the best possible settings, kind of, because it's not yes. the updated, patched uh, Series S optimized version. And um, it's really interesting to think that, like, there's, like, this huge, there's a lot of, uh, you know, cyberpunk stuff going on that we're going to talk about here in the next segment, but, like... Just in general, like I'm surprised that just well, as I say, I'm not gonna say I'm not surprised, but I should say I should take back my surprise because I believe like the the tutorial is mostly stable, and it's when the world just opens up is when things start falling apart, is my understanding. Mm-hmm. So you yeah, haven't which I, that part I haven't yet. gotten there yet. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So interesting, man. I just uh, I you know I'm I'm just I'm glad I'm just gonna say I'm glad I wasn't really hyped for the game to begin with. So uh, <laughs> I didn't it wasn't on my radar really, and. Uh, I'm just gonna play it when it comes out on the PS5 uh, optimized version slash Game of the Year edition. All the DLC included, you know, everything. All just, you know, I'm gonna get the Mortal Kombat 11 Ultimate version of the game, basically. Mm-hmm. So I won't have that. Pro- I won't have those problems, and uh, I'll let you guys be the beta testers. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Uh, and to be honest, that seems like, especially if you don't have an X-Gen console or a powerful PC. That seems like that's probably the best thing to do right now. Or even if you do have those consoles, because they are going to be patching the game. There's a major patch coming in January, supposedly another one coming in February. So the general recommendation that I would give to people is, yeah, just wait. I mean, at the end of the day, you can probably buy it for cheaper and have a better experience in a few months, you know, which is what we're always talking about here. So. Yeah, broke gamer's guide. <laughs> yeah, yeah, All definitely. Right. Okay, let's get on to the next one. So speaking of cyberpunk, uh, this actually perfectly transitions into the the big... One of the big stories that just broke out just as we were starting to record, but Sony is pulling Cyberpunk 2077 from the PlayStation uh, PlayStation Store and offering full refunds, and you can request a refund now. This is written um, by The Verge, by Jay Peters, and it says here that uh, Sony is pulling Cyber- Cyberpunk 27, 2077 from the PlayStation Store and offering full refunds for anyone who bought the game from the digital storefront, the company said on Thursday. If you want to start a, the refund process now, Sony says visit the site, uh, like that's in the hyperlink of this article, and sign into your PlayStation account and submit a, re- uh, a request for the refund. However, uh, later on Thursday, Thursday evening, Sony said it is aware some users are experiencing issues accessing the refund form. If you're seeing issues, you may want to try again later. So uh, Cyberpunk 2077 has been removed from the PlayStation, PlayStation Store for a few uh, Verge staffers on their PS5, and the game doesn't come up in the search for Cyberpunk 2077 on the web version of the store. So basically, it's delisted as hell. 
So uh, there's a tweet from Ask PlayStation that says, SIE strives to ensure a high level of customer satisfaction, and we will begin to offer a full refund for all gamers who have purchased Cyberpunk 2077 via PlayStation Store and want to refund. Please visit the following link to initiate the refund, and there's that tweet. Anyways, so yeah, man, this is looking really terrible and really bad. It's not a good look. Um, there's two. There's a story that he that broke out earlier this week about how, like, you know, Cyberpunk, uh, the CD Projekt Red did like a, you know, a, a tweet that's with the yellow, the yellow background and stuff, which is never good news when you see that yellow background. But um, <laughs> it's saying like we're sorry that we lied to you and like we, uh, you know, didn't show you those old, you know, the old old gen versions of it. And you know, we, um, I forgot like all the stuffs, but basically it was terrible poor, uh, PR speak and the and the sorry gonna you know, like ring hollow, but. With that whole uh, "we're sorry" stuff, there was they even in that same tweet they said um, they said you can ask for a refund, but it turns out they were full of shit because they never they never um, negotiated any terms on the back end with Sony and Xbox. You know, so like it was if if you played so many hours of the game, it goes against the refund policies that's already in place. So basically, they're they were telling them to essentially circumvent that or whatever. So, and they never even communicated that to them, to Sony or, or Microsoft. So it's really interesting that, you know, it's this, I don't know if this was a, a CDPR move, but this might be a Sony move and, yeah. and it's, it looks bad. Yeah. Yeah, dude, this story has been such a shit show and it's been so interesting to see how it has unraveled throughout the, the last week. But I think the ultimate takeaway here is that CD project red made a choice to trick people into, I mean, more specifically to trick their fans so that they could get their money uh, by buying a, a product uninformed. And it's very sad, actually, when you look at it that way, especially considering that, you know, I'm sure it's not everybody at the company that's responsible for this. I'm sure that that's plen there's plenty of people out there just working their asses off trying to make a good game. But, you know, the bug needs to stop or it needs to stop somewhere and somebody has to take the blame for this and so somebody has to be the one to blame for this or at least a group of people has to be the one to blame the ones to blame for this and they the more we find out about what's going on and the more they put out their their pr speak uh tweets and etc the more we realize that the truth is they knew that this game was going to run bad on these consoles they knew that the situation was so bad that it was going to affect the perception of their game negatively and they chose to, instead of delaying those versions further, or instead of not releasing on their consoles, instead of maybe just being transparent about it from, you know, the beginning, they decided to intentionally hide that information, keep their consumers uninformed, use, you know, try to build, like, they've been building this hype through all of these last few years, and you know, sending influencers, cyberpunk chairs and all this stuff so that they're all super excited about this game <laughs> and getting, you know, like feeling out, feeling up their, their, I don't want to say their egos, but like they're really their, their interest in the game by like giving them all these things and, and creating these awesome trailers. And, and on, on the other end, they're like, okay, let's give all these people now PC codes because they all have, you know, great, PCs and they can run this game at ultra settings and it, the game runs great on PC or runs best on PC and have them play the game and give their reviews so that it gets a 90 on Metacritic and everybody goes and buys a day one and then we get everybody's money, you know, at least uh, a 20, 30, maybe more like percent of the people that bought this game are playing it on base consoles most likely and then they're going to get a shitty ass experience. They were advertised something that's not what they got and CD Projekt Red knew they were doing this and they still did it. And then after all of that, they come out of with these 
honestly bullshit statements where they're like, oh, we're sorry, please give us a chance. You know, meanwhile, they're they're admitting that they did what they did in, in investor calls where, you know, they're celebrating the fact that they're already profitable with the game, day by one, the way. From day one, yeah. Day one, because they were able to trick all these people into buying something that's not what they wanted to buy. And and then they're like, oh, sorry, um, you know, you guys can get refunds, which I, you know, I don't know too much about how the retail stru- structure works, but... With the refunds, I'm pretty sure that the retailers would actually end up eating a lot of that cost because in a situation where the retailers have already bought the games and sold them, right? Like if 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 they're having to give refunds to people, like is CD Projekt Red really the ones losing that money? So I obviously it's going to be different from retailer to retailer. I'm just saying that I'm sure there are situations where, you know, retailers are going to suffer the consequences for that when really CD Projekt Red should be the ones owning up to all of this. And I don't think they have done a good job of doing that. And and it's all culminating right now with, you know, Sony ultimately delisting the game from their platforms, which I don't think has ever happened with a game of the scale. Oh, yeah. Like one of the game, the most anticipated game of last year, of this year that finally comes out. And then it's literally delisted from the PlayStation Store because of how bad it was. So it's, it's sad, man. And it, the saddest thing, too, is that the game is actually probably good <laughs> if you if you if you play it on the right you know i don't sh- shouldn't say on the right but if you play it on other platforms so really if they'd only had taken more time or been more transparent the story could have been different do you think they could have just released it only on pc and stadia and that's it maybe they could maybe they should have maybe they should have said like you know so many times we saw because they were PC so gamers. Adam- they were so adamant of like a simultaneous release for everyone by the way i don't know if you yeah that. yeah well, so many times in the past, PC gamers kind of got the short end of the stick in that sense where they got the release late. Oh, yeah. So I feel like it's not that big a deal. Like, it wouldn't have been that big a deal if if they said, you know, it's coming out on PC first, consoles in a few months. But the well, thing, too, if, is that they also what if they should they have done that a long time ago, though. What if they canceled the PS4 and the Xbox One versions and it's only next gen? Yeah, see, the problem, that's where it gets complicated, because then that's fucking over all of their fans that were counting on that. You know, (laughs) like, not everybody is ready to jump on next gen day one. So it would kind of be screwing over those people. So I think it's important to support the the old consoles, especially in a situation where you're this close to the release of next gen, it's so hard to get the next gen consoles too. So I think it's important to be there. But I feel like they should have delayed it so that it made... um, it, it it brought a little bit more parity between the versions. Um, I I personally think that the truth is all the way back when they delayed this game the first time from like April to September or whatever, they should have probably delayed it further. Or at that point, they should have created a, a, a like they have, they laid just, out. They should have just pulled a Fast and the Furious and said, we're delaying it a whole year because of coronavirus. Yeah. And just sort of like hide behind that. And then there you go. They could have done that or they should have laid out better plans, right? Like maybe even when they delayed it recently from November, they should have been like, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to put it on PC early access on December and then, you know, we're going to keep updating it and then we're going to release it on consoles in March and then, you know, next gen in April, whatever, like it get, and gave us something, a timeline that made sense for what they were seeing because the reality is that when they did that last delay from November to December... They must have known, right? Like, they, um, I will, like the the apology letter basically made it seem like that they were they were still tar- trying to get their day one patch done in time to better optimize the game, so that they were thinking that they could still pull it off. Like mm-hmm. they knew going gold that they was it was a shit show, but they thought that they can still do the day one patch or the day zero patch, and you know, 
you know, and it's gonna it's gonna turn out just fine. You know, they were passing the they were kicking the passing the buck kind of thing or whatever. But yeah, I just I pulled yeah. up their I pulled up their their apology and it says, "Dear gamers, first of all, we would like to start by apologizing to you for not showing you the game on base last gen consoles before it premiered, and in consequence, not allowing you to make a more informed decision about your purchase. We should have paid more attention to making it play better on PlayStation Four and Xbox One." Jeez, I just want to say like I I, I really want to see like you know like. I want to see my Xbox One chug and like struggle to run uh, as Cyberpunk because, like you know how like it was it, it chugged a little bit with Ori and the Blind uh, Ori and the Will of the Wisps and just imagine mm-hmm. like it just like exploding <laughs> or like <laughs> no the PS4 would be actually more likely to explode because it always sounds like a jet engine when I'm like running any game like you know that has any high graphics like The Last of Us Part Two where it just kind of word like zzz, like a vacuum cleaner you know the, the weirdest thing about this too is that this was not a next gen first game you know this game has been in development for many years it was originally intended to be released only um, on, yeah 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 like many months before next gen even came out so it's kind of like this interesting you know people talk about the idea of last gen consoles holding a game back if they have to put it on the last gen consoles but this situation i feel like is more i can it's more kind of like they they just had a broken game and the next gen consoles just happened to run it get better <laughs> to, do it, to fix it yeah, yeah exactly um so it's i don't know it's it's interesting there's been a lot of other things that are coming out of, of these stories as well but but the the truth at the end of the day i feel like there's no denying it I, i'm usually like you know i like siding with developers and i like you know i feel like gamers sometimes are too quick to jump into into hating developers and thinking they're evil and all of this stuff and i don't like doing that obviously i do work in development too i know a lot of people at a lot of different AAA studios out there that you know are just kind of doing their job to make a good game so i don't like to take that kind of position but in this situation you can tell that there's some evil there you know what i mean <laughs> that there's no way around it like there's there's got to be some evil there from from leadership in some capacity where they said you know we need our money so let's uh well, let's hide the actual state of the game you got q4 you got the holiday sales you're trying to get the you know you're you know obviously you want to get it in time for christmas you know that's Mm-hmm. You know, that's more like businessy talk and stuff. And, and, like, and real quick, the other side of this too, which I understand why, you know, it's kind of against the the capitalistic perspective of, you know, we've got to make as much money as we can. But the, the other side of this too is that they could have actually still done exactly what they did. But a few weeks ago, they could have come out and said, hey, guys, we got something to tell you. Um, <laughs> the game is going to be good on pc um it's gonna run all right on next gen but if you're playing it on a base ps4 and on a base xbox one it's not gonna be good it's not gonna be the experience that you guys expected we're sorry we did our best but you know we couldn't do it we got patches incoming (laughs) yeah yeah, we got patches coming up you can if you want to support us you know if you like the studio if you want to play day one you can go and do that do it at your own risk but we're telling you right now that that's the situation and oh my god that would literally kill any marketing campaign like i wouldn't i don't think the whole purpose of marketing is to build a pipe. You don't want to freaking like douse your own flames. Um, I know, but I mean, I think I feel like in that kind of situation, at least like people that were buying the game on PS5 and Series X would probably still do it, and PC would probably still do it. You probably would have had people that would otherwise buy it on, let's say, PS4 that go like, "Well, I have a pretty good PC, so I'll just get it on PC instead." And you know, it would kill the sales of the game for those platforms, but it. it they wouldn't at least they would keep the goodwill that's my point like i feel like they would have maintained if they were to do that they need a if they were to do what you said they have to like have a sizzle reel of like this is the game 
running like on like we're not we're not trying to dress it up this is real footage from the base xbox vcr one you know like mm-hmm. yeah that's that's just to really like make it hit home and stuff and you like have like bad <laughs> textures and stuff that look like playstation one graphics and yeah <laughs> it's like this is not a meme like this is the real deal right like by the way the first time i saw it on twitter by the way like the actual gameplay footage i thought it was doctored footage by the way i genuinely thought that it was Me too. A, yeah i thought that somebody just freaking like May like pulled up some random ass like Steam game that was just like this, you know, like like they look like Roblox kind of thing, you know, like I what genuinely thought be, that. What seems to be happening is that so the way LOD works in games is that models can be rendered in a lot of different levels of detail, obviously, so you can have a character like an NPC, for instance, look highly detailed with, you know, the, the tens of thousands of triangles or hundreds of thousands of triangles. And, and then you have like different versions of that same model that go all the way down to where it's like just a few triangles and it's like this very weird blocky thing. Um, but the way it works is that it will swap, the game will swap in and out these different models depending on how far away you are from from the object. Mm. So when you're playing, um, you know, Skyrim or something and you see all the out like that village in the distance that has characters in there or something there's no need there's things that will not be rendered at all because the game detects right like you're this far so let's not even render half these things but there's the things that will be rendered will be rendered at a very low level of detail because you're looking at it from that far so it's a waste to render a highly detailed model it's a waste of processing power when you get closer to it it will slowly swap out like with the with the higher res models and that's what like every game does. Yeah. What seems to be happening with Cyberpunk is that in in the base consoles among a lot of other issues of course, but one of the issues seems to be where it won't swap in the the better models. Um and then you you're left with like standing right in front of this character um that looks like straight out of a, a PS1 game yeah. like you said. Yeah. Ah, yeah, that's crazy. Funny enough yeah. there that reminds me it actually reminded me of the situation on um the, the Spider-Man on the PS4. Oh yeah, um, the one face I, guy, I with the guy with the this. face yes. on IGN, yeah, like, and you like, if you swing to that boat that's in the distance and stuff, he's not supposed to be that, you're not supposed to be that close to him, but he's got this really weird jank face. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I Obviously that that's a very different scenario, yeah. but. <laughs> yeah. But uh, in other cyberpunk related news, the CD Projekt Red stock fell 29% uh, during the launch of uh, Cyberpunk 2077, which is very odd because you don't actually have, uh, you know, your stock you know, prices fall down when a game launches. So uh, that mm-hmm. was uh, reported by GamesIndustry.biz, as well as the fact that uh, in, an, in an addendum article from Game Industry, uh, they said that Cyberpunk 2077 troubles cost CD Projekt Red founders more than $1 billion. So because of the share, the share prices fell. And of course, we also, com- uh, you know, you commented on this earlier, but yeah, the Game Informer article headline reads, CDPR conference call reveals that last gen Cyberpunk 2077 neglect and that there was no refund agreement in place. So yeah, that's, yep. uh, um, I-, I mean, damn, just just want to say, man, if this was like Activision or something like that, like, you know, um, the, the, the gamers would have way more rebelled. And I feel like there is a little bit of a dub- double standard at play, but they are still taking flack. It's just like the, the, the heat is just dialed down just a little bit, uh, for them. So hopefully mm-hmm. they don't lose the goodwill. Um, I know that people, uh, I know that gamers tend to hold a grudge and they don't forget, you know, uh, people still, uh, for, uh won't, won't shut up about Mass Effect 3 and stuff and it's, and it's terrible endings. So hopefully this doesn't come back and bite them in the ass in the future. We'll see. All right. Next up here, we got some Smash news. So Sephiroth uh, comes to Super Smash Brothers Ultimate uh, starting on December 22nd slash today. Um, so it's out on December 22nd is the official launch day. 
but uh, you can get them now. So let's read on here on Polygon. This is written by Michael McWhorter. Um, so it says here, Final Fantasy VII's big, handsome, bad guy Sephiroth is coming to Super Smash Bros. Ultimate as paid downloadable content starting on December 22nd. That is his official release date, but there is a way to access Sephiroth starting today, December 17th, thanks to a limited time event in Ultimate. Nintendo Switch owners who pre-ordered Sephiroth's DLC, either individually or as part of the Fighter's Pass Volume 2, will get access to the a new in-game challenge, a boss battle known as Se the Sephiroth Challenge. Players who complete that challenge on any difficulty setting, easy, normal, or very hard, will unlock Sephiroth as a playable fighter. They'll also unlock Super Smash Bros. Ultimate's new stage, Northern, Ca Northern Cave, and, uh, and additional Final Fantasy uh, music tracks, nine new tracks in all. So that's awesome. Uh, the the the, the uh, Sakurai Nintendo Direct, uh, the Smash Direct, was earlier today, and Sa uh, Masahiro Sakurai uh, detailed like every single move. Like here's his here's his down air, here's his forward smash, here's his up tilt, and all the hitboxes. And he even talked about frame data for once, which is crazy because I think he <laughs> even like was very like tongue in cheek about it. It's like oh yeah, we don't. I'd like to make. I like. I thought I made a game that's designed to be fun. I don't. I'll leave the frame data talk to the tournament players. And I'm like, damn. I don't know what, how to take that tongue if it was like you know being snide or or facetious or just you know being jokey with it but you know obviously he's going for a jokey term but still like you know you get that thing that's lost in translation stuff it's like you know we know that you know we we in the community knows how how sakurai feels about the competitive community um but yeah so we saw a lot of stuff we saw his final smash we saw the kirby hat and we saw the hitboxes we saw the uh the me fighter updates and so r.i.p to gino he's a me he's a me costume which almost kind of feels like a deconfirmed for gino so Can yeah you t tell me a little bit more about gino like i i i hear the only scenario in which i've heard the scare this character's name is in smash brothers requests uh, I don't even know which game he's from. Super Mario RPG for the Super Nintendo. You can play that okay. game on your Nintendo Switch online on the Switch account, your Switch uh, I see. Um, thing. But basically, is he a playable character? In yes, that? he is actually. Okay. So okay, so uh, Super Mario RPG was actually not developed by Nintendo. It was developed by Square Enix. They allowed mm -hmm. him. They allowed Square Enix to utilize the Mario characters. So Square Enix did this thing where they created an original character called Gino, and he's one of your party members. Like you know, like in Final Fantasy, you know, like the Final Fantasy two and three for the Super Nintendo. It's like yeah. one of those party like members that he's he kind of comes along. So they basically like Gino's like shared and owned, co-owned by both Nintendo and Square together. Maybe more more favoring Square, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I don't really know the legality of things, but people really love Super Mario RPG and they really love Gino. So uh, people have been like champ ever since Smash Four, at the very least since Smash Four, people have been championing championing uh, Gino to be included. Interesting. So. Okay. Well, maybe maybe we'll see him at a at some point. <laughs> I yeah. I, I this seeing that Sephiroth was was added in after Cloud was and and with the success of Final Fantasy VII remake this year, Louis. What do you think are the odds that we see Final Fantasy VII remake on the Switch? Oh, extremely point? unlikely. There's no way the Switch would explode. Um, now, I, I was just if, thinking about myself, like when we know Sephiroth's inclusion, actually. But let's let's go go for it. Go go say say your piece. What if what if they did the um, the cloud thing that they did with uh, Control and a few other games? What do you mean? I don't know what you're talking about. 
Okay, so you can play Control, uh, which is a PS4, Xbox One title, came out in 2019 on the Switch via the cloud. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, so I see what you're saying, yeah. We cover that in the podcast, and that's not the first game that they did that final with. Fan, I believe there's Resident one of the... Resident Evil 7. Yes, Resident Evil 7, you can also do the same. Yeah. So they could, theoretically, uh, you know, that's, that is that that is a Remedy game and a Capcom game, so I don't know if we've seen that with the Square Enix game yet, but it it's is possible. something that could theoretically be possible that way. It's possible. I, you're, you're, you are correct. That's actually, I didn't even think about that. I mean, you... Th- when you said cloud, I was thinking cloud strife, by the way. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, but the, it, I don't know, like, I don't know how I, how I feel about the cloud releases of games and stuff like that on the Nintendo Switch. Because, like, I almost kind of sort of discount them as actually releasing on the Nintendo Switch. I don't know mm-hmm. if, that's, if it's fair to say that or not, but, you know what I mean? Like, I don't really think of Control as a Nintendo Switch game. You know? Yeah, they're more like experiments, right, <laughs> if anything. I, yeah. It makes me wonder, but the fact that Nintendo has allowed it makes me wonder if... Uh, if they're also planning some kind of cloud service like uh, Xbox and PlayStation do, but we'll see. We're going to call it the Square Enix Cloud, and it's got like Cloud Strife as like the logo or something. <laughs> <laughs> that would be cool. Yeah. But um, just going out, uh, into my thoughts about Sephiroth, like I actually had a Twitter conversation with one of the listeners. Uh, hey, Paul. Uh, so um, <laughs> there was, he said, I asked him, like, we you know, why is, why is Sephiroth, you know, like, why wasn't he part of like, why didn't he drop um, when Min Min dropped? Because Min Min was around the time uh, uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake came out. I was like, why didn't you just cross-pollinate and cross-promote and, you know, have, um, you know, Final Fantasy VII Remake be a huge marketing push? And he's in Smash, you know, Sephiroth is in Smash and stuff like that. And he said, like, you know, it's it's like, you know, suddenly, like, buzz for Final Fantasy VII Remake just shot up because of Sephiroth being included. And so it's a way of keeping the game alive and relevant in people's mind share. And you can, you know, it can sort of help, uh, you know, keep it alive while they're working on the Final Fantasy VII Remake Part Two, basically. Mm-hmm. So hopefully, uh, you know, things go smoothly on that regard. And uh, maybe, you know, ideally you would have it like, you know, this coming April, Final Fantasy VII Remake Part Two comes out, you know, having one year at a time kind of thing, kind of like the Twilight movies. Uh, but no, no. Uh, I'm I'm just sort of like vamping here, but let me just go ahead and say that he looks busted. Um, they did they did some good things to 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 to, uh, to balance him. He's very he's got he's he's very lagging on some of his moves, so he's very wide open for attack when he whenever he whiffs. Um, he's very light as a feather. They made him they made him seemingly light as Jigglypuff, so he dies very early. Um, the, the comeback mechanic is not a meter, so it's sort of like you know at the whim of the 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 design of the game. So. Basically, uh, it's going to be an interesting thing to, to see how this plays out in the meta, but um, there really aren't any IRL tournaments happening, and now online tournaments are really hard to do because of N- Nintendo's on their on their stupid shit. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. So, uh, UK politicians. Uh, this is a uh, Video Games Chronicles uh, well, uh, article here. UK politicians call for action against PS5 and Xbox Series scalpers. So uh, this is a group of the British uh, MPs. I, uh, damn, I, I used to know. Is it members of parliament? I believe is what it stands for. Uh, they have called for legislation to prevent PS5 and Xbox Series X and S scalpers from reselling consoles for vast profits, quote, vast profits. So um, I don't know if I really want – I'm just going to TLDR this. But basically it's uh, – uh, there's there's obviously this uh, huge um, UK um, uh, scalper group. Uh, was, damn, it was the name of that thing. 
something something notify chep creep or a chep creep notify or something like that but they were like talking about how like they had like thousands of consoles and stuff that they had their members help get and stuff and all these scalping prices and you know basically the the uk is starting to think, think of like you know maybe we should make a law against you know you know taking a product and just jacking up the prices and selling it for you know triple the profit or whatever so um they're sort of going preparing to go to the floor and just have a debate and and discuss mm-hmm. the matter and then they're gonna maybe from there they'll start talking about legislation but for now it's just a discussion um it's interesting that the uk lawmakers are having that discussion because you know it's it's a consumer hardware and you know i don't know yeah i i was gonna say if you were to regulate scalping lewis how how would you do it i don't know how do you how do you how do you police that because yeah i well one side is like i don't even know how you can really properly enforce it in a large scale but even taking the enforcement aspect out of it it's like what should the law be? Because you I don't go to know jail. if I'm They're necessarily. Take your ass to jail. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, no. no. I, I, I just mean like I don't. I don't know if I'm necessarily opposed in principle to the idea of somebody buying something and then selling it at a profit, right? Like that on itself is like, well, that's that's the market, and I think that's that's okay, <laughs> you know, for for the most part. It's like you. Um, you know, when you when you when you buy something and you're selling it at a profit, there's a level of uh, you know work that you put into doing that, and then there's a convenience like uh, there's a convenience fee too, in a, in a sense for the person that's buying it uh, secondhand, right? So if you imagine a scenario, and I know this this is not the real scenario that we're dealing with here, but if you imagine a scenario where you know there's limited. Um, ps5s out there it's difficult to get one you know you gotta you gotta deal with all this stuff be there at the right time and then maybe you buy maybe you manage to buy one and then you sell it for a hundred dollars extra to pay for your effort into trying to get it right and the person who who is buying it is paying that extra hundred dollars so that they have the the convenience of just being able to buy right away and not having to worry about everything else so my point is like within certain thresholds it is not necessarily as bad of a thing or at least that's my belief right and or my interpretation of it it gets bad when it's done at huge scales and at huge margins of profit to the point where they're they're getting this um control of the market in a in a bigger way than even the the manufacturers themselves so i guess i'm only bringing this up because i feel like i would only be in favor of a law with this if it was very specific with what it considered scalping right because i I am not in principle opposed to any situation where somebody buys something and sells it for more that's my point Hmm. yeah yeah i mean i'm pretty sure that's already a uh, like people do that like they scalp in front of like the actual like baseball games or in sort of stadiums and stuff at the parking Mm -hmm. like i've even seen scalpers at at a convention center where they're selling passes and stuff like that like they got a bunch of like badges to sell and stuff like that and you know i don't know i just i i just kind of have a problem like my my problem with the situation is like you know the scalpers they make the the supply not meet de- meet demand worse. They make that supply and demand situation worse because had the scalpers not gotten out of the way to buy up all these inventories, somebody who was actually legitimately trying to you know get the the console you know naturally or like you know realistically, they would have had another minute you know on the website to be able to to, to snag their their purchase. You know that's true. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, like I said, I've been I have genuinely been trying every time there's a Walmart drop, and and you know, like I'm I'm not winning every time, and it's and it's really frustrating. And you know, it's kind of crazy that I've been seeing stuff on Twitter. It's like, oh, these moms are like frustrating trying to get a a PlayStation Five for their kid, and they can't. You know, so uh, I mm-hmm. feel like we're going off topic, but just in general, like I don't know, like I I don't think that it should be a law. It's more of like a morality thing. It's more of like the 
it's like, do you want to be an asshole? It's like, I don't think, I think you're right. There's, you really can't really police a secondary market because that's what it is. Mm-hmm. And the secondary market is a market. So right. I guess we can leave it at that. All right. So next up, we got a, a Twitter post from Jeff Keeley. It says here that uh, this year's Game Awards viewership grew over 83% to more than 83 million live streams. This is beyond our wildest expectations. I was just happy we could even produce the show this year. Thank you for watching and being part of this global community. Over the past, I love hour, that everything is 83, <laughs> by the way. 83 million live streams, 8.3 million concurrent viewers. Up to 83%. Yeah, that's a good little, little visual there. And then also, by the way, we look. Look, I can actually see. There's a on the next tweet. He said, "Over the past seven years, we experienced the incredible growth of the Game Awards, starting at just 1.9 million live streams in 2014." I have watched every Game Awards, by the way, ever since Jeff Keighley went solo, and it is insane seeing this. Uh, looks like this algorithmic like growth and stuff, you know. Yeah. And uh, what's interesting about this situation is that I remember like the 2014 Game Awards, and I felt like. I felt like back then it was big, you know, in my head, in my mm-hmm. head, it was big. It was a big deal. But seeing like the the numbers get dwarfed by this year's viewership just makes it just sort of puts in perspective that maybe I wasn't as big as I thought it was. But yeah. Yeah. And you know what? If it continues on this trend, we're going to be saying the same in a few years <laughs> where we're going to be looking back at this and, and say like, oh, it wasn't even a billion yet. <laughs> or, <you laughs> it know, wasn't even knows. triple digits. Like it wasn't even a hundred million. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, exactly. So we'll, we'll see. Uh. You know, it's interesting, like, 8.3 million concurrence is still less than what um, Fortnite was able to pull off in uh, in their latest event, right? So that just puts it into scale, like, <laughs> how big Fortnite really is that, you know, despite the Game Awards having this exponential growth over the last seven years, that they still can't reach what uh, what Fortnite is able to pull off with their event. Um, even though it's this culmination of, you know, an E3-like event with game announcements and everything else. And, you know, this also kind of shows that ultimately me and you were were maybe kind of wrong. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because we, we have our takes about what we think the show should be, but this clearly <laughs> validates what, what Jeff has been doing, right? Because yeah. like, he sees these numbers, and what these numbers tell him is that he needs to continue to double down on the, the things E3, that he's uh, yeah. yeah on the things that he's currently doing because I guarantee you that you know out of these eighty three million people that I mean what's the difference between eighty three million live streams and eight point three million concurrent viewers what's the difference between I I, I actually don't even know like eighty three okay, million so live know, streams I, means I, that they have like it's being broadcast on more than eighty three million Twitch channels or something or no no no. Know. I'll tell you what it is. So imagine when we are streaming together, right? Mm-hmm. And then we finish a stream and then we had a peak that at some point we had four people watching at the same time. Okay. Some, oh, let's say eight. Okay. Let's say we peaked at eight right. throughout our stream. However, um, like early in the stream, maybe there were two people that were watching that dropped out and then later three other people came in and they dropped out. Oh, and then at some so point total, we peaked at okay, eight. Yeah, okay. So, so like the total of everybody together, we usually can see that too. Yeah, on we the can stats. see that. Like, how, many, how many and unique viewers watched? Yeah, like we can see that too, yeah. On our stats. Yeah. So what I think this means is that 83 million people Total. or screens watched it, uh, but the most at the same time was 8.3 million. Ah. Which I also wonder. I wonder if he's going to share this. What was the like the moment that had the peak viewership? Interesting. Game of the year, maybe, yeah. or uh, Fortnite. Yeah, reveal? probably. I don't know. But it's you- uh, it's interesting because like I would uh, I, I if this was okay. So let's go with the 83 million live streams. I'm gonna say. 2021 is going to have a 50% growth, putting at 120 million live streams. Yeah. What do you think? I can see that. I can see that. I'm not going to bet you on that or anything. <laughs> All right. 
That's probably what's going to happen, yeah. Okay. So I brought this article to the uh, to the table here, and um, we're not going to actually read the full article because it is a bit of a lengthy read, uh, but it's going to be in the show notes. It's going to be a uh, um, a Doug Bowser that interview that was done, uh, and it's uh, you know you can read it on in Polygon, and I just sort of want to just pick and cherry pick uh, these uh, specific moments uh, just to sort of like you know I don't know how to put it I guess harp on it or, or just rag on it I guess. Go for it. Okay. Uh, so Polygon said, I want to I wanna specifically talk about a strategy that Nintendo is doing with Switch Online regarding the sunsetting. I don't know what the exact terminology is, but effectively, games that are no longer available after March 31st, 2021. What is the logic? Why is that good for consumers? To which Doug Bowser said, yeah, I think I use a simple word, celebration. It's just... This is a celebration of Mario's 35th anniversary, and we wanted to celebrate in a unique and different ways. And we're done, and we've done that through games like Super Mario 3D All Stars, or we will be uh, we will be doing that through future releases such as Super Mario 3D uh, World plus Bowser's Fury. And then we've also done it through releases such as Game and Watch, Super Mario Brothers, or through Mario Kart Live Home Circuit. These are various ways that we're celebrating Mario's 35th. And with some of these titles, we felt that it's an op- it was an opportunity to release them in a limited period of time. They've, they're done very, very well. Super Mario 3D All-Stars has sold two, over 2.6 million units in the U.S. alone. And so clearly, consumers have been able to jump in and enjoy that. And it's not a strategy that we're going to be using widely, but it's one that we thought was very unique for the actual anniversary. To which Polygon hmm. replied, Yeah, and the celebration aspect I totally get. Obviously, you've done uh, a, a, you've done a whole hog on releasing amazing Mario games this year. I just don't understand the consumer side of it, where where someone who buys a Switch in June of next year is just never going to be able to buy those games. I just don't see the upside, quite honestly. To which Doug Bowser said, "Yeah, I mean, at this point, the decision has really been. Let me repeat that. Yeah, at this point, the decision was really made around the celebration uh, feature and aspect. I can't speak to plans beyond the end of March." Man, hmm. I don't know. This uh, this stuff just you know just rubs me the wrong way because it's like uh, I, I I do appreciate that Polygon sort of like you know answered back is like but wait you don't really answer my question why is this a consumer friendly approach and he's like well you know we just thought about it as a celebration and you know like I feel like I don't know I don't think there really is a good answer and I don't even know if that I guess that's the best answer that you can give on a PR side of things uh, um, and you know you just sort of have to like play with it I guess you just have to go with it it's like yeah it is what it is. You know, we're, you know, Super Mario 3D All-Stars and, and uh, Super Mario uh, 35 is going to get deleted off your Switch. So enjoy it while you can, bitches. You know, that's basically, you, you don't really want to say that, <laughs> uh, which is obviously I'm being hyperbolics too as well, but because it's not going to get deleted off your Switches. But still, uh, the point stands though. It's like, you know, you got to get in while the getting is good. And I don't you know, know, I don't know I how will, I feel about that. I'm going to, let me just play devil's advocate for a second here, just for the sake of the argument, which is that. A game like Fortnite, right, will do these uh, seasons and events and they'll have specific features of the game and modes and other things that are only available for a limited time. And then after that limited time, they're just gone. And then from that point on, people can't experience that anymore. But nobody really seems to care, right? Like everybody's just like, cool, that's just how it is. You know, you, <laughs> you, you either you either experience it in the moment or it's gone and it's, you know, too bad to be you. Um, so it is kind of interesting that, I guess we have this expectation that if a game releases that we're in quotes like entitled to being able to buy to buy it forever, um, when we don't have that same expectation 
with any of these other live service games with their content drops, right? Yeah. Well, so with we Fortnite, accept... it's a free game, and you know, I don't know. That's true. That's true. Uh, and also, but with Fortnite, like... you're just you're you're, you're um, I don't know how to put this. You're um, it's it's a way to keep you playing. Like it's a way to keep you turning on Fortnite and launching it to make sure that you're you're experiencing this new uh, this new hoverboard before they vault it. You know, so. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean, it's valid. It's just like you also spend money on that, right? Like you're spending money on the season battle pass and stuff. But the things you unlock, you're going to have forever, I'm assuming. Yeah. Um. So it's, I know it's apples to oranges, but I just kind of wanted to bring in a different a different side. The, the truth here, I think the true answer here is that, you know, Nintendo didn't have a... I mean, they, they had a great year with sales. You know, Animal Crossing was a huge hit and et cetera. But they also didn't release a lot of new games this year, especially, you know, Juggernaut new games. Animal Crossing was really the one big one, I think. And, and there's a few other ones in there like Paper Mario and Hyrule Warriors and et cetera. But at the end of the day, their their fiscal year ends on March, March 31st next year. And I, I think they really just wanted to get... To juice up the numbers, a, I guess. To juice up the numbers for their fiscal year because they really want to show that, you know, they're doing great and their their stock prices are actually higher now than they've ever been. Uh, or, sorry, than they've been since the Wii era. And, like, I think they just want to keep that momentum going. And I think that was just a way to do that. It was just a, a, a business strategy, basically. Like, we are not going to be able to release a big Zelda game or a big Mario game in this fiscal year. So let's do this Mario thing and let's make it exclusive so that everybody rushes and buys it because it's, you know, it's only going to be there for so long. Because I guarantee you that so many people would have said, you know what, I'll wait to buy that game some other time. If if they had not, um, like, I would have not bought the game, actually, if it wasn't, it was straight up. I would have not bought it if it wasn't, <laughs> if it was going to be available indefinitely. Yeah. I would have said, I will buy it eventually. Yes. And then maybe I never would. Because, you know, I said that for Splatoon 2 oh, as well. Wow. And I have not bought it. Wow. Yeah. Shame on you. Uh, no, I just, I, don't, I just yeah. wanted to say, like, um, I feel like they, 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 I don't know, they're, they're, they're trading short-term gain for long-term, you know, long-term success, because like, I, I feel like with a game like Super Mario Thirty Five, uh, Super Mario Three D All Stars, those two games can work as an evergreen title. And um, well, I don't think, obviously, I don't think they made any money from Super Mario Thirty Five, by the way, because it was a free to download Nintendo Switch Online perk. Uh, but you know, but basically, though, the point still stands that I think those games would have, you know, stood the test of time for the rest of the Switch generation. You know, mm-hmm. and I think that that's, um, you know, you know, be, you know, even like I would even call bullshit because Kirby's twentieth anniversary Wii disc release or whatever, I could buy it on the twenty third year of of Kirby. You know, I bought it like years later at a Walmart, brand new. So it's like, you know, there's, it's, there's. The, the 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 reasoning just doesn't add up and you're right i think it is i think it's more of just like a, a shrewd business move to make sure that gamers buy your product in a quick manner so mm-hmm. i i really do hope that you know that they don't ex, you know to that anymore i mean they're even doing it with the fire emblem nes games which makes me want to like it made me want to consider buying the marth you know the original nes game um you know that marth originated from and obviously you know the onus is on me to buy it before march 31st so yeah, which I'm not sure I'm going to... Totally, yeah. I totally forgot that that game even exists, by the way, because <laughs> I want to get that too, but it's funny, like, it's like whenever whenever it comes up, either in the podcast or because you said it right now, right, I go, oh yeah, I want to get that, but then I <laughs> actually forget that it exists in any other moment in my life. <laughs> yeah, and, and, then, and then it will not exist anymore if you don't get it. So yeah. uh, I, I, I read this here just now, and I, I, I know we're going over on time, but let me just say, uh, on, on the subject of Joy-Con Drift, I wanted to talk a little bit about, I, don't, I know it's kind of a four-letter word, but Joy-Con Drift. 
Obviously, Nintendo has a long reputation of really strong hardware, but this is something that has gone not gone away. I know you offer free repairs for people. They can mail in, they have mail in their Joy-Cons. It's kind of uh, feels like this continues to be like a Band-Aid that's being put over it. And I wanted to know long-term, are there any are there hardware designs planned to address this so that when people buy a new Switch, they're not necessarily worrying, hey, I'm, I'm going to need to send in my Joy-Cons every six months or so. To which Doug Bowser replies, first and foremost, we want every consumer to have a great experience with their Nintendo Switch and with the games they play on Nintendo Switch. That's of utmost importance to us. Our mission is to put smiles on faces and we wanna make sure that that happens. If consumers have any issues with our hardware and or software, we want them to contact us and when we will when we will work through the proper solutions to get them up and running as fast as possible. Specific to the Joy-Cons themselves, we've been working very closely with consumers if and when they might have issues, whether it's a replacement or repair. And then what I will say as we look at our repair cycles, we're always looking at what is being sent in and for what reasons and understanding that better. And without going into any details, it always gives us an opportunity to make improvements as we go forward. I don't know. That doesn't seem like an answer. I don't think that's a, a very satisfying nope. answer for me. I'm, my, I'm just my take on that. No. I mean, interviews like this, I feel like happen pretty often where it's just an executive being asked difficult questions <laughs> and not answering them. Just like saying words in a way that he can keep talking and, and make a paragraph be written in an article, but it doesn't really add any new information because sometimes that's their job. You know, sometimes it's their job to not, you know, well, we, there, this is the real thing, but we can't have the public know this, or this is what we're dealing with right now. We still have to figure out a solution to it. So, you know, we got to keep this internal. So you just got to keep, keep things ticking, but don't, don't actually say anything about it. So, hmm. okay. That's what's going on there. All right. Let's go ahead and get into some extra news. So number one, several Bioware ver veterans return for a new Mass Effect game, and that's on Game Informer. Number two, a month after launch, Assassin's Creed Valhalla starts selling XP boosts. That was written on Game Informer, or Eurogamer, excuse me. Uh, number three, a Super Nintendo World Direct is happening today, the day the podcast goes live. So we will not be talking about it until January when we do our next regular episode. So yeah, hopefully uh, some hype stuff happens in that direct. Number four, League of Legends MMO in development, Riot Games Executive announces, and that's on via IGN. And lastly, number five, and this is a news to me, Dragon Ball's Fighters roster adds Super Baby 2 via Game Informer. So I didn't even know about uh, Dragon Ball Fighters getting the next DLC thing. That, I don't even know how that slipped past my radar because I'm big on fighting games. I'm very big on uh, you know Dragon Ball Fighters as well. So it's uh, it's interesting that I didn't even know that was happening. So It seems like it leaked early. Um, this is not the official announcement yet. Ah, that makes uh, sense. But yeah, the, ne the next Fighters DLC fighter to arrive in the game soon is Super Baby 2, a character from Dragon Ball GT. And the recent scans give us a little clue uh, as to what this means for the game. So yeah, it's, it seems like a bit a bit of a random one hmm. um, to, to get added. But I'm also not that uh, that huge into the Dragon Ball <laughs> C lore. But I, I did used to watch it. Um, well, it's okay. GT, is uh, GT is not canon, by the way. So uh, Really? Yeah. Wait, are you being fastidious right now no, just because serious. you don't like it or is it is it serious? I'm being okay. serious. It's not it's not canon. Uh the Dragon Ball Z happened, um the success happened in the US uh like with Toonami and stuff like that. And so um the onus was on like uh Funimation to like, you know, order a new series. So 
they like just sort of like made it up without the any, without Akira Toriyama's input or whatever or any stories. They didn't have any stories to draw from either. They didn't have like a manga or anything like that. So they just sort of just did it. And then, you know, Super Saiyan 4 doesn't exist in Dragon Ball Super because Dragon Ball Super is the true sequel to Dragon Ball Fight, um, Dragon Ball Z. And, you know, the Super, Dragon Ball Super has a manga to, source material to draw from as well. So, yeah. Interesting. I didn't know about that. <laughs> yeah, the more you know. Um, the thing I found out recently, too, is that Dragon Ball is actually much older than I thought it was because I, I watched it growing up. So I was born in 94. So I was I was watching Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z in, you know, the the late 90s to early 2000s that's when i was watching the show and i had no idea then that it was actually much older than than that <laughs> yeah i mean i think like the original like designs i remember seeing like a uh, goku looking sprite on the nes and stuff so it wasn't even like officially called dragon ball but it was like you know based off of yeah, that stuff it's, yeah i'm pretty sure it started on the 80s and and even the dbz anime i think is like 96 if not before that even so yeah all right so let's go ahead and move on to the next uh, the next one, actually. So no check this out this week. So that's unfortunate. I really love that sound effect. But uh, <laughs> Dan, it is time for you to take over the show. What are you buying? All right. So starting here with some new releases, we had an Indie World Showcase Nintendo Direct drop this week, uh, which announced that Among Us, amongst other things, is now available on the Nintendo Switch eShop. You can buy it for $5, I believe. Yep. Same, as the, uh, same as the Steam price. Yes, an online and local party game of teamwork and betrayal for 4 to 10 players in space. Play with 4 to 10 players online or via local Wi-Fi as you attempt to prepare your spaceship for departure. But beware, as one or more random players among the crew are imposters bent on killing everyone. This just made me realize that probably one of the best ways to play this game is to just have a bunch of people with switches in the same room <laughs> uh, next to each other, right? Because then, like... You can sit in a circle on the floor or something and have like so that nobody can really see each other's screen yep. and, and just talk it out am, am, amongst each other. Yep. So that, that actually might be a really fun. Way I've to, actually to done that this. before we, with with the phones, me and my my nieces and nephews. We all sat in a circle with our phones and played uh, mm -hmm. and played uh, uh, Among Us and stuff. You just got like a That's little cool. like earbud in your in your in one of your ears. So that way they can't hear your sound effects. They can't hear you venting. And then there you go. You're good to go. And I'm going to read here a little summary of the Direct from uh, from my Nintendo News as well. The Switch system offers access to a treasure trove of indie games with even more arriving before the end of this year and into 2021. This week, Nintendo unveiled a new Indie World Showcase presentation, which includes some notable surprises in its upcoming game launch calendar. Highlights of the video include Among Us, the riotous social deduction survival game, which launches for Nintendo Switch later today. This was obviously earlier this week. Other featured games in today's showcase include Super Meat Boy Forever, the highly anticipated sequel to Super Meat Boy, and Spelunky and Spelunky 2, the cavernous exploration platformers that have set players' imaginations and bomb bags on fire. So Spelunky and Spelunky 2 are going to be coming to Switch in summer 2021. Uh, Grindstone would be coming uh, as a console launch exclusive to Nintendo Switch. Um, it's already out, actually. It's uh, It was later today when this was posted. Uh, this was a big uh, mobile game, and it was developed by Kapi, Capybara Games, which they've had some hit indie games before. I just can't remember right now, but I think they I think they might be the developers of Super Time Force. This which looks was like a, some Candy Crush looking ass game. Yeah. Yes, I, I I don't I don't really know too much about it, but this is a beloved game. This is like a this game. People were all over this game last year. I I kept hearing about it. It was like the big mobile game of uh, of last year. One of the big mobile it's games. The puzzle of last action. Year, so. Uh, uh, puzzle battle action, two hundred plus levels. I'm just reading the uh, the official Nintendo mm -hmm. uh, Nintendo blurb. It looks interesting uh, in the sense of like I I've played you know 
I played like uh, Pokemon. Uh, uh, what was that called? The one with like the it's like the Candy Crush version of Pokemon, and it's like the face. Is it, is it Cafe yeah. Mix? No, I don't think it's Cafe Mix. Uh, it's the Pokemon Shuffle, I believe, is what it was called. You know. But anyways, yeah, it reminds me of that though. Um, hey, and to each their own. I mean, if it's a, if it's a actually good, well designed game, and you know, it definitely you know most most puzzle games are gonna probably you know not be like the lowest common denom- denominator. Like I think Candy Crush gives you know puzzle games a bad rap, so you know. You can, mm-hmm. you can, you can, it can be done tastefully. Yeah. And uh, for the rest of the month of December, there's not really a lot of notable releases. Override 2 Super Mech League is coming out on PS5, Xbox Series, PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC on December 22nd. And then, as we just mentioned, Super Meat Boy Forever is coming out on Switch and PC on December 23rd. The sequel to Super Meat Boy is here. Meat Boy and Bandage Girl must run, slide, tackle, jump, punch, and kick their way through over 7,000 levels to save their daughter Nugget from Dr. Fetus. Look at the graphics, listen to sound and music, and push buttons in this genuine certified video game. I like how they have to Meat make Bo- it a genuine certified video game, but whatever. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. Meat Boy and Bandage Girl have grown as a couple since 2010. It seems like only yesterday the two lovebirds were escaping from an exploding laboratory in the sky. Now it's the current year, and they've welcomed their daughter Nugget into the world. Their peaceful days enjoying life as a family came to an abrupt end when Dr. Fetus beat the snot out of them oh with a rusty God. shovel and kidnapped Nugget. Now it's up to Meat boy and bandage girl to rescue their daughter from a lunatic fetus in a jar that can only be described as an incel version of tony stark oh my god super, <laughs> super meat boy forever is the sequel to super meat boy this is a new experience that eclipses the original and i'm gonna leave it there i really like super meat boy actually i played a shit ton of it on the vita in our places um back in the early 2010s after i got a vita that that was kind of my indie game machine for like a good like two years where i just had all these games that i got through um through the PlayStation Store, like uh, through PS Plus and things like that. And and then I would just play them all, like all the indie ones in the Vita. And I would buy some random indie games too on the Vita. So, um, you know, the Velocity and Velocity 2X were a lot of fun on that platform. And I played a shit ton of Super Meat Boy as well on that platform. So um, I haven't really been following the, the development of this one. It's crazy that they have over 7,000 yeah, handcrafted levels. 7,200 individually handcrafted handcrafted levels combined dynamically to give you a new challenge every time you play. So it's not procedurally. It's kind of like the semi-procedurally generated, but it's actually like, mm-hmm. but they're they're already pre-made. So it's like a combination of stuff. So I'm guessing that's what they're doing. But it says it says at the end of the blurb, uh, the really, really long blurb, it says, never put the word forever in a video game. It's a haunted word, so that's really good. It's really good. Um, <laughs> uh, I just wanted to say, I don't know which one is the pick of the week between like Among Us and Super Meat Boy Forever. Um, I've actually played Super Meat Boy on the PS4, uh, and I feel like that, and I, I, my understanding is that it's the worst version because the 360 has the better soundtrack. It's the same game, but without mm. the, the music couldn't be licensed or something like that. Um, so with regards to Among Us, I, I, there was a, there's, a, there's a glitch that you can access on the Among Us uh, on the Switch version where you can actually play on the new map before uh, you know you could like you can glitch your way into the new map the airship so mm-hmm. um it's not it's, it's not done yet there's there's some like you know uh so when you can get stuck and stuff but you know you could actually walk around and do some of the new the new stuff and that's pretty cool so uh if you can check that out if you want to um but yeah yeah i bet the devs are not that happy about that <laughs> <laughs> yeah interesting though uh um, anyway louis let's let's keep going oh yes yes you're right you're right we're holding up the show Got a selection of good things on sale, stranger. 
for the broke gamers out there, the free game at the Epic Game Store this week is this Cities Skylines, a modern take on the classic city simulation and introduces new gameplay elements to realize the thrill and hardships of creating and maintaining a real city whilst expending on some well-established tropes of the city building experience. And we don't know which game will be available next week yet, and we won't be here to cover either. So for the rest of December, you might want to keep an eye out on the Epic Game Store. I'm surprised they didn't do a 12 Days of Christmas. I mean, maybe they still will, but, you know, interesting. Uh, also, I'm a little uh, underwhelmed by City Skylines because that was the mystery game last week where it's like, oh, my God, it's going to be a hype. It's got to be a hype-inducing game. And then it's just, just City Skylines. I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, who knows? Maybe maybe it's a better game than uh, we're giving you credit for. True. But I, I, I get your point. It's not GTA V, yeah. you know. Or, um, we got deals going on in all the all the different uh, online digital stores right now. So on the PlayStation Store, some of the things that you can get right now are Death Stranding for 20 bucks. Um, Borderlands uh, 3 has some, some deals. Resident Evil 2 Deluxe Edition is 20 bucks. Assassin's Creed Odyssey is 15 so a lot of different things out there if you want to check that out. I actually think this might still be the same sale that we shouted out last week. So I don't want to spend too much time on it. Okay. Uh, the eShop, once again, also I still has the Game Awards sales uh, going on, as well as a Bandai Namco sale. So you can get Dragon Ball Fighters for just 10 bucks on the Switch right now. That That's a good deal. Yo, the Nintendo um, Switch uh, Game Awards sales, they got Ori, both Ori games on sale. Like, I don't know. I know. I think you have obviously have Game Pass, but, you know. If you didn't, the Nintendo Switch <laughs> having true. a handheld version of the game. Hmm. And then there's a Focus Publisher sale on the Xbox Store. Uh, so the only one I really want to give a shout out to here is a Plague Tale Innocence. It's uh, discounted from $50 to $12.49. Uh, this is a game that I don't think got a lot of attention, but that I hear is really good. It's a it's a narrative-driven kind of double-A uh, style game, a third-person action-adventure um, focused on, you know real like historical events but then with like some level of uh of, like fantasy to it as well um and i and i hear it was one of the best um narrative games of 2019 i actually even think it got some some nominations at the, at the game awards last year so um you you might want to check that out uh on the xbox if you want to buy something there and uh world war z is also just 750 there's a few other um titles on sale there as well and then there's a there's a countdown sale that uh is going to be live soon on the xbox so the xbox countdown winter sale 2020 is here this year's sale features discounts on over 700 games bundles and add-ons available for 14 days until thursday january 3rd so wait is this is this up already no it's going to start on sunday okay so this is starting this weekend mm -hmm. and this will include a lot of great deals here so let's see valhalla Assassin's Creed valhalla 45 dollars bioshock the collection for 10 borderlands 3 20 bucks control ultimate edition 20 bucks crash for 30 dollars uh, what else? Doom Eternal, twenty bucks. Fallout Four under ten dollars. Forza Horizon Four, thirty dollars. There's a premium edition of Grand Theft Auto Five apparently, but fifteen bucks. Halo, Master Chief Collection. Immortals Phoenix Rising. I think that's. I actually think that's the big deal Ooh. here. Immortals Phoenix Rising for just forty dollars. The game just came out <laughs> in December. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> is that a good thing or a bad thing? That's what I want to know. That, I think it depends. Yeah. Yeah. Possibly a bad sign, but yeah. Um, Halo Master Chief Collection for twenty four bucks. Uh, Marvel's Avengers for thirty. Uh, MK11 for 42, uh, Ori and the Will of the Wisps, uh, 15. So yeah, I mean, set with 700 uh, games on sale uh, for on Xbox, that's gonna, that's like damn. Uh, yeah. All right, let's go ahead and uh, and move on to the last our last segment of the show here. It's time to wrap up the year. 
<laughs> topic of the show yeah that's uh, what we're gonna do is uh we wanted to wrap up the year here we're talking about like the biggest news stories that we covered all year long and so we're just gonna sort of like we're gonna run through them and sort of like uh we noticed that like there's a lot of theming and there's a lot of like we could talk about just like one one blanket statement for several different stories and so we're just gonna sort of reminisce about the year that was uh 2020 in gaming news so, which to be fair, I also, should we tell people what's coming up on the follow-up episodes? Because I think maybe we should give them some context. Oh yeah, yeah, sure, go for well. it. Go, yeah, take it away. No, I was just gonna say that uh, we're gonna be doing this kind of stuff over the next two episodes as well. Not episode fifty, but episode fifty-one, especially. We actually talk for an hour and a half about you know the year in games for us, and and none of those are our game of the year episode yet, by the way. But uh, on episode fifty-one, is more we're talking a little bit more about ourselves and what we were doing in the year and the games we were playing and just kind of. We go in some random tangent stuff. There's certain things that happen in the year throughout the episode. Um, but this was more of a, you know, we didn't talk too much about the actual, you know, news that we covered in the show over the 12 months that we did this show. So we thought it would be cool to just kind of list, like, what were the top news that we talked about that we most talked about throughout the show this year. And just, just kind of go through them and uh, and then maybe share some final thoughts. They're just kind of quick um almost like kind of rapid fire like mm. like what well, we think about them or or you know whatever you want to take it okay. um but i just wanted to say that we're going to have more of this type of discussion coming up for for the listeners all right so the first thing that we put on the list here is playstation pulls out of e3 and that a bunch of others do too so was that a january news story Yes, that was literally the first story we ever covered in Ready Press Play was the play, <laughs> PlayStation pulling out of E3. Yeah. Oh, man. Because it was such a big deal then because it was like, oh, my God, like E3 is done. Like, you know, all like we had already all these other companies pull out over the last few years and now PlayStation is out of it. And then I can't remember who else, but like over the next few weeks, it was like other companies were also pulling out. And I remember Microsoft kept saying, no, we are going to be at E3. Uh, yeah. And then it's the funny thing is like that was, you know, the biggest news in gaming in that month. But in the grand scheme of the year, it's almost like forgettable because E3 didn't even happen. I know because <laughs> so of coronavirus. Who cares, yeah. right? It was, a com- yeah, it was so. completely different. I would have been interesting to see how E3 would have played out had uh, had coronavirus not like killed every convention. But like, mm-hmm. uh, like you know, we would have because people are already talking about how E3 is like, you know, like the, the actual expo, like the people that run it are like, you know, possibly broke or whatever and this and that. So constantly trying to drum up a um a drum up a hype on how do you how do you do this and there was a story that I, I don't think i see it in the rundowns here of all the news stories but there was a new story about how jeff Keeley had a bit of a falling out with e3 because he didn't want to like do what their their influencers pushing things and stuff like that uh, yeah, yeah that's true because they were gonna do a different type of e3 yeah. and they were advertising that and everything and then it all fell apart the coliseum um, was no longer is it, is it e3 coliseum that's that's, that's jeff yes. Keighley's thing and it wasn't going to be the same yes or, yeah, they were trying to tinker with the formula too much, and he's, like, not having it, you know? Creative differences, you know? That happens all the time. Yes. Uh, so we have some next-gen tidbits that, and news throughout the year that we uh, we had, like, a we were... Yeah, I guess you put in parentheses your Xbox versus PS approach. So we were, like, talking about, I guess, like, PlayStation's approach to, like, next-gen versus Xbox's approach. So, like, uh, Xbox is all about, you know, we believe in, like, just having... Um, you know, an ecosystem where you can like access your game on any device, whatever device you have, as long as you're interacting with a brand, it's fine by us. And versus, and the interesting yeah. thing too is that this year, I feel like you know Xbox was kind of dictating the 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 messaging and like controlling the messaging of next gen in so many ways, in the sense that it was like every week there was like an Xbox update, mm. and for long stretches of time, we we heard Crickets. nothing from Sony. Yeah. 
right? It was just crickets on the PlayStation side. And at the end of the day, it's like they also, we've talked so much about the different approaches that they had with, you know, what, what they believed in for the consoles. But it's also interesting, the different marketing approaches, which for Xbox, I feel like it was... It was all about, you know, these small updates every week. And with Sony, it was like these two or three big drops throughout the year, right? Yeah. And it was Where... with Xbox, it was all about like, we, we're going to have a, a, a I direct every month in April and in May, but then coronavirus like delayed or, yes. you know, messed up their plans for their big monthly drop and stuff. So, but yeah, that's interesting. Uh, place it almost kind of feels wrong, like because when you think about it, like last year, last year's Game Awards, we saw what how the Xbox Series X looked like and stuff like that. We had we knew so much, and we were uh, the chatter was all about Xbox week to week and stuff like that, and all of that for nothing. Like that mindshare <laughs> didn't equate to sales because PlayStation just ate their lunch. Still, but but you know the interesting thing though is that this is what I'm curious about, and I don't know if we're ever gonna get these numbers. But if we think about PS4 versus Xbox One market share, as in like year over year, what percentage of sales were towards PS4 versus what percentage of sales were towards Xbox One, that generation, versus the PS5 versus Series X? My guess is that although PlayStation is still ahead, that play, that Xbox has probably closed the gap. Yeah. That, uh, but that's just based on anecdotal like what I see from, you know, my social media feeds and all that stuff, that that information is useless. But I just know that the, the gap was so big before. And I feel like the gap now is not as big. Right. I can see that. So, I can see that being true. Yeah. Uh, especially because it's still, there's still, people still are, are you know, um, positive on Xbox and their branding and their, uh, their consumer mm-hmm. friendliness and everything. And yeah, because I, I feel like it's night and day the way that Xbox is, was perceived uh, last gen with the way that it's perceived this gen. True. Uh, so the next yeah. up is we got some GDC. Um, uh, you know, Dan is huge on GDC. He's like very popular. He's like he's Mister. He's Mister <laughs> Charismatic, popular guy where everyone's like, "Hey, what up?" You know, like that kind of stuff. He didn't get to go because no one went to go because GDC, GDC got postponed. Um, there was gonna be like a GDC summer, and that eventually got canceled, just like so many other events. So. Uh, yeah, you wanted a, I, com- a comment on uh, regarding that? No, that was that was more of a uh, all-encompassing bullet point. GDC was one of the first ones to uh, to go, yeah. right? Like to oh, get the late or or whatever. I remember that we even we had recorded this DLC because I was going to be a GDC. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. We still dropped it on the on the week anyway. Yeah, and yeah, it was it, I, I was sad about it. It's also crazy that at that point it was like they. I remember they delayed it to to June <laughs> or, to August, do like GDC summer. Oh, that was August. Yeah. Or, Oh. I don't even remember, yeah. but they they delayed it. A, they actually did like a, a digital GDC like that weekend, yeah. and then and then they were like, "Well, we're gonna do an extra one in a few months." And then that G- I remember that, that we GDC, criticized that that digital digital GDC in, in the March. We actually got the PlayStation Five Mark Cerny presentation. By the way, that's true. That's true. There was that. That's that's right. I forgot about that. And and yeah, and then we're like, "Well, how do we, how do they know that things are gonna be better?" Then it's probably not. And or you know, we were we weren't sure either. Yeah. Uh, but it's funny that that one then ended up only happening digitally again. Um, yeah, and we're still, you know, it's still even if they had delayed all the way up to now, it still couldn't happen. True. And I don't even know if next year's is going to happen. True. Actually, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, GDC. Uh, that when the news story broke out, we were in the in the uh, in the early stages of creating our our segment, our short lived segment, which could still be relevant today, by the way. Coronavirus watch. <laughs> Uh, we yep. decided to retire the segment altogether because it wasn't gonna it wasn't gonna go away, and we didn't real we just kind of sort of realized like the impact is 
is just like you know everlasting and we didn't we thought yeah it, was so it just kind of blurred <laughs> it blur it blurred too much with the rest of the show right yeah. where it wasn't at first i thought it was going to be this weird different thing that we're doing for you know a couple weeks or a couple months and and then it just became the show <laughs> just <laughs> yeah, yeah so uh but yeah uh, then we talked about some game delays we had the, the last of us 2 some avengers some cyberpunk a little sprinkling of uh of final fantasy 7 remake uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. it was definitely the years of delays, and um, I don't know. Like, I I uh, I made my prediction about the year of delays, um, even without the whole coronavirus thing. I mean, the coronavirus That's thing true. made worse, and it could also like function as a scapegoat. But I'm I'm willing to bet that in alternate universe where the where coronavirus didn't happen, these things would have still been delayed uh, because mm-hmm. you know you know shit was on fire. You know you know you know what I mean. Especially with the cyberpunk situation, yeah. there in no in no parallel universe was cyberpunk actually going to come out on time in April um yeah but yeah definitely um uh so as i just wanted to say just in general like i can i can see the last of us hitting the release date i think the uh, coronavirus really did make it delay but avengers and cyberpunk i don't think would have ever um, released on time um i just think that those games they seem to have issues with development not with with cyberpunk not running well and with avengers not not having enough content you know where people bitching about like not having enough content that you know you can you can sort of see a fact where like you these games were going to get delayed no matter what coronavirus or not so yeah um next up we got some switch sales uh it sells out worldwide uh ring fit adventure flies off the shelves i actually played ring fit adventure and it kicked my ass so uh, <laughs> anything to say yeah just a quick shout out to the fact that you know i remember that month where we got the npd results and ring fit had jumped from you know being in the hundreds <laughs> to being like in the top 10 best sell yeah uh, games and just you know the success of the switch this year was incredible so um yeah thankfully uh, i mean Thanks to Animal Crossing, uh, among other things. Yeah, um, I just wanted to say, fuck, fuck scalpers. You know, that's the first time we had a taste of what was to come with the Switch scalping, scalping situation, where bots that's were buying true, up that's the, true. the bots were buying up the, the inventory and stuff. Uh, the next up was Animal Crossing Tinder dates, uh, talk show, sex work, and more. So yeah, Animal Crossing became like this zeitgeist, and 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 later on in the year, like just recently, Nintendo had to write a guidelines about how to run a business on using Animal Crossing. So yeah, I even forgot to add here to this point is like the, the politi- politics as well yeah, right? yeah like, politics so as well. much shit was happening in Animal uh, Crossing. chinese censorship and stuff like that and, mm-hmm. and uh, protests and everything all happening in animal crossing man it's like animal crossing is almost like what no man's sky should have been <laughs> where it's like everyone was talking about how like no man's skies you can live your life in no man's sky you can do whatever you want it's like well no animal mm-hmm. crossing is literally living up to that promise better <laughs> yeah um but yeah, and then and then we had our biggest like you know like crazy episode where we didn't know what to do or how to how to react it and how to how to address the matter. Um, we had we did there was the Black Lives Matter uh, situation um, and how it influenced the game industry. How everyone kind of sort of paused gaming news um, and yeah. like you know a moratorium on everything and like things got delayed. Like presentations got delayed because PlayStation was and Xbox were like this is not the time. You know that kind of stuff, yeah. and um, we even had Fame on uh, to, to to guest on the show and talk about this situation. Um, and it was, and we uh, we I read his story, and he he um, you know paid me the biggest compliment ever about how I brought his his words to life uh, more than he more than he possibly ever could, which was crazy to to hear that. You know, so um, it's one of those kind of like moments that you know well, well um, it's gonna be one of those proud moments when I think about this show and you know what we've accomplished. So yeah, I don't know what else to say on that. Yeah, I, I I don't either. You know, like it's I I feel like that fight is still being fought 
um that but that i believe that we we made some progress this year and that i i hope we continue to and it was i think i thought it was worth shouting out because it was one of the moments where the show got serious yeah. throughout throughout the year right we we don't often get too serious but that was one of the one of the weeks where we we had to right and and i think that that represented everything else that was happening in the in ga- the games industry at that time too yeah and then uh the E3 that lasted all summer long, Jeff Keighley announced Summer Game Fest. And it's really weird because, like, it felt like any any presentation, like any director from any developer, or indie or otherwise, um, it's like, oh, yeah, that's part of Summer Gaming Fest. You know, like, oh, yeah, that's part of Summer. Yes. Like, it felt like, like uh, it just kind of felt like Summer Game Fest was just a website that had, every, that, like, a little bulletin board of every of every show. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know, like, it, 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 it almost kind of felt like it wore out its welcome. Like, it got old. Uh, when we tried, yeah. it, we, it was a little like a bit of a hassle covering everything during our summertime. As our during our summer, we were hella busy and stuff. We like things were blowing up at work for us, for both of us at the same time. When we work in two different places, but we're still like you know trying to get these uh you know these these podcasts recorded and talk. And we were trying to no, not even get the podcast recorded. We're trying to watch these shows to get the podcast yeah, recorded. There was, <laughs> there was so much to watch, and I remember that we got to a point where it was like we would get into to do the show, and we're like, well, you know, there was a Square Enix thing, but we didn't really watch it. So let's just <laughs> let's just read through the news, right? Which is which says a lot about about this thing which is like i feel like with e3 because it was just that one week it was more concentrated and it was there was there there's there was always so much content during e3 but he was still could manage like all right like i'm gonna take this weekend i'm gonna watch you know like if you miss stuff live um which sometimes you know if i was working i would like okay let me just watch all these things in in my saturday right and you just caught up on everything and and with summer game fest the way that ended up happening you didn't really get that and you also kind of lost some of the excitement because everything just got diluted over so many random announcements and shows and at one point you didn't even know which ones were truly worth watching because <laughs> you know that there's just so much and IGN's, out there I felt like so IGN's long. show was overhyped by the way they were like oh we got cool interviews with you know such and such mm-hmm. person and they were very uh, so I don't know they were so underplayed or whatever they weren't as exciting or they weren't as juicy as we thought they were going to be I am hoping that we can have a little bit of a more traditional E3 structure this year um, though I don't really believe we're going to um, I think but. I think uh the E3's got to be a digital event. Like it's got to be like everyone's got to get their deadlines. You're either debuting during E3 week or you're not. You know, I don't. Yeah, no, it, I, I, it can be digital, and I understand that it, that it might have to. But I, I do hope that it's a that it's a coordinated yeah. week long thing. The game industry comes um, together. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the next up is we got the Microsoft shutdown uh, Mixer and partners with Facebook Gaming. Oh God, I I completely forgot about that story. I completely forgot mm-hmm. that Mixer even shut down. And uh, you know, RIP to Mixer. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> yeah, that that yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's really no, there's really nothing good about that. I mean, it just it is what it is. Uh, Rocksteady's new game is Suicide Squad. I remember uh, being hyped for that. Yeah, there were a lot of game announcements during that time frame, but I just wanted to give that one a shout out because it was. I think it was like a headliner in, in one of our episodes mm. and um, I was we didn't see that much, but uh, I'm legitimately excited for that game. I think, you know, it was about time that we saw what Rocksteady had been working on. You know, they the last game that they released was in 2015 uh, with Arkham Knight. So I'm glad that we're going to that we saw something and that, you know, hopefully we'll be playing that game either next year or, or the year after. I don't I don't even remember if they gave us a year. These next two articles I wrote, uh, you know, for Level 1 Gaming, uh, we talked about, I talked about the cancellation of Evo, um, as well as the Smash community issues that were happening, uh, the summer of allegations. Um, usually it's, mm-hmm. it's always like the summer of Smash, but then, you know, because all the tournaments and the Smash World Tour was like basically canceled and everything. And, uh, 
um, you know, then all of a sudden everyone's getting their Me Too's uh, stories, you know, out again. And um, it was crazy. And I, you know, I think that even to this day, you know, you know, months apart from the situation, the Smash community is still reeling. And it's kind of crazy because there is no like, I don't know, there's no since there's no in uh, in person get togethers of tournaments and stuff. We still haven't been able to like establish, you know, any kind of like normalcy slash any kind of, uh, um, you know, how do we move forward? Because we haven't been able to move forward. Uh, we haven't been able to like, you know, institute like, community bans recently even like the the smash code of conduct disbanded because there's no more money so it's like mm-hmm. um it's like crazy that this is a situation that you know once covid is if it's ever like truly over over like you know how to you know how we're, we're still going to be working on picking up the pieces when that happens so yeah true all right so so many video game movies and shows so we talk about the witcher uh, season two, which is going to be coming on Netflix. We got Uncharted movie. We got the Last of Us movie. So uh, we even talked about like the Sonic movie and how I watched it and stuff like that. Yeah. So. The, the Last of Us show, actually, right? And and that was that was a story a few times. And th- these are just some of the big ones, but there were so many. There was a time frame where I felt like every week there was at least one uh, like new movie announcement on uh, Extra News. We got a bunch of Ubisoft ones, I think. Like there's going to be like a Splinter Cell TV show. Like all, all of those properties that I don't even know if we really need to to see in a um in in movie or show format but you know i'm i'm typically positive about these things i think there's a whole segment of gaming fans that are not about it but i always think it's cool like the idea that we're able to introduce people that are not necessarily playing games or that familiar with games or that into it we can introduce them to these stories that we're into and these characters that we're into so i'm very much looking forward to for instance getting my sister to to watch the the last of us show because you know, she's not into games, but she's really into movies and TV. She even works with it, actually. And I think it would be a cool way for, you know, us to watch some, something together, mm. connect, and for me to be like, yeah, that that's something that I really like, have her understand it um, a little better, you know? Yeah. So I, I think it's cool. Yeah, and then... Um, uh... Also, recently, IGN did a review of Monster Hunter, the movie. That's true. <laughs> it scored yeah. terribly. Very bad movie. Stay away <laughs> from it. But uh, I'll definitely watch it when it comes to like a Netflix or something where it doesn't cost me any money. Um, and then mm-hmm. I'm already paying anyways. But yeah. So uh, next up, another one of, I think, I believe, uh, I, I, I haven't looked at my analytics recently, but I believe that this was my most viewed story that I, that I wrote for Level 1 Gaming. And it was about the U.S. Army uh, Twitch controversy. Um, you know, I think that was like the second most, uh, longest story I had to write as far as how long it took me to write it. Obviously the smash, mm-hmm. the smash drama was the longest because I had so much research to do, but this one also like in terms of time investment and how much research I went, I put into, uh, gathering my sources, telling the narrative correctly in the correct, you know, timeline of events and, um, and giving context to, you know, how big a deal this, this situation is. But basically the U S army had a Twitch channel, um, and they were basically trying to get people to enlist into uh, it was like it was like a backdoor shady recruiting method of you know getting people to join the army um we gave like our 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 takes on it and stuff like that and uh AOC was all about like fuck that like we're not we're going to we're going to make a law or you know try to I'm going to try to convince these congress mm-hmm. members to draft up a law so to to get this the US army out of Twitch and stuff like that and then of course AOC creates her own Twitch account and has like the biggest one of the biggest live streams ever and like to 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 tell people to go vote you know but yeah yeah it's interesting i feel like the 20s uh 
will be the decade where games hit mainstream even further. <laughs> you know, I think we saw that like at the end of the 10s, but I think it's going to go bigger in the 20s. You know, with with what AOC is doing, I think we're going to see more politicians do that the type of thing. Um, I think that playing games is going to no longer be a thing that gamers do. I think as time goes on, it becomes more of a thing that everybody does and it's normal and it's normal to go on twitch and watch people play games or beat the one playing games and it's going to be normal to talk about games and people are going to be going to the movie theater to watch you know video game themed movies and watching video game themed tv shows at home whether they even know it or not um and i i I definitely think that the 20s is going to be the decade where games go mainstream into a level that they have not even yet and i feel like we we i I, i'm saying the 20s but i really think this started in maybe 2018 Mm. Uh, to like a, in a big way with Fortnite. I think Fortnite was one of the big, um, you know, agents of that. Yeah. Um, and I think it's going to keep going. Okay. And then we got the Apple, speaking of Fortnite, we got the Apple versus Fortnite feud, which is still unresolved. Um, it's crazy. Uh, Fortnite is still not on iOS devices. And uh, yeah, um, there's a lot of huge population of people that, you know, actually, I, I know somebody who doesn't have like a gaming PC. They don't have a, a console in their home so that's kind of crazy i'm, that I'm shocked the iPad that is the only thing they have yeah yeah i'm shocked that epic is willing to just eat that cost man <laughs> like to this point like i thought that wasn't going to last you long but they're still there they're still doing it it's they the percentage of their audience that was playing on ios was not insignificant yeah um i've seen stats before i don't remember the the exact stats now but it was not insignificant so you know what's kind of yep. crazy is that like there was an, a recent update to the story we didn't obviously put it in the rundown but the recent update being that like uh, apple was trying to be very like friendly it's like oh yeah if you are made under a million dollars as a as a developer we're gonna give you a bigger cut or something like that i forgot what it was but yeah yeah it felt like a very pandering move you know so yeah uh you know big business does got what big business i gotta do i guess um next up there was mario's 35th anniversary we had like the mario kart um live home tour we got super mario 35 we got the uh, announcement of uh, mario um mario and 3d uh, world plus bowser's fury we got um the uh super mario 3d all-stars um and there's a lot of merch that came out this year like uh some events like with legos uh the nes uh uh, Mario thing and stuff like that. There was just so much. There's the Game and Watch oh, yeah, thing that you Watch. bought. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. See, there's just too much Mario going on here. Um, yeah. And it's all going to be done by March 31st. And, take, and they vault it. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of crazy because like I legitimately remember the 30th anniversary, like it was yesterday when the Wii U was a thing and Super Mario Maker was the only headliner. It was just a one game thing, and um, I almost kind of wish mm-hmm. that like. Uh, I almost kind of wish that Nintendo goes balls out for every anniversary, every major milestone anniversary like that. Like, you know, imagine like a whole year dedicated to like the Legend of Zelda's 35th anniversary or whatever, or Metroid's 35th anniversary. You know, we don't get a celebration like that, you know, those for those yeah. other franchises. I, I still remember the year of Luigi. Oh, yeah, and yeah. I remember that, you know, Metroid turned, you know, 25 or 30 shortly after that. And I, I remember thinking like, oh, I wonder, like they went. They did so much stuff for Luigi. I wonder what they're going to do for Metroid. And it was nothing. It was crickets. Yeah. It's like they only celebrate yeah. an anniversary unless there's product to move, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, exactly. Whereas they could have like, you know, looked at the calendar and realized, oh, in two years, so-and-so turns 20. Let's make product, you know, instead mm-hmm. of just like, you know, just happening to do that. But whatever. Uh, next up, PS5 games cost $70. Mm, par for the course. I don't really have much to say on that. 
Yeah, it was just the story, you know, that there was some repercussion to this year. But uh, at this point, I feel like we just accepted it. (laughs) It's also not affecting people too much because it's not like we have PS5s. True. (laughs) Uh, Stadia doesn't take off. Amazon launches Luna. Facebook joins too. So all the crazy uh, uh, streaming services or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, that's all continuing to go through. But so far, it seems like none of these things have gotten uh, super popular yet. I I just want to add that... uh, I think that I heard somewhere that the Stadia version of Cyberpunk is actually good. Yeah. It's actually one of the better versions of the yeah, game. Yeah, I heard that's that's actually uh, one of the only times Stadia gets positive PR. By the way, uh, we didn't we yeah. didn't cover that on the show. By the way, we we totally should have, but uh, um, the it's like interesting because it's like oh yeah, we got more teraflops than the PS5 Pro or PS4 Pro and the Xbox One X and stuff like that. And yeah, it's it's really it's really good. I'm glad that you know Stadia's got a win. And on top of that, it was you know a game that was released. Day and date with everything else so mm-hmm. yeah and also i heard like a like a little like uh, anecdote about how i was like oh my god after i put in my credit card number i literally booted up cyberpunk within a minute and i'm like wow it's because it's just streaming right there to your you know so yeah exactly that is that is a good point like that's one of the cool things about these streaming services or stadia specifically at least that it's really easy to get straight to a game when they do they will do free demos sometimes and you literally go in and you log in with your google account or something and then you you press a button and you're playing the game and it's like no download no anything it's like very quick um so yeah i i mean i do hope that streaming gets better and that it becomes a viable way to game in the future i really don't want it to become the only way to game ever but i'm okay with it being an option All right, so next-gen consoles being crazy hard to find because of fucking scalpers. Good good wording there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, we've covered that in a few ways, uh, sometimes through stories, sometimes through us just talking on housekeeping and you talking about your experiences trying to get the PS5, and, and I, I haven't tried that hard, but, you know, I know people around me that have been trying like crazy as well, and it's just being it's 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 been a difficult launch and i i wasn't around for many other console launches so it makes me wonder if it's always like this or not because i well the wii was like this for know. sure i know that yeah i know the wii was but like for for playstation and xbox like i i don't know because i i don't think i bought any other well like playstation or xbox console at launch. well like with the playstation 4 specifically uh there was a uh i i got a, i got a ps4 at launch by the way but i know for a fact that the ps4 was very almost impossible to find in november but but come december like early december people were just being able to pick it up so if you wanted one you got one before christmas which Mm -hmm. is not the true for for playstation 5 by the way so yeah um but anyways, uh, we yeah we said we we have you can listen to any number of shows in the past like we just did in the last in the last month, and uh, yeah I bitched about it and I continue to bitch about it. I even bitched about it during the DLC episodes that's coming up. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you got that to look forward to. Uh, the next up is uh, the Nintendo and Capcom leaks. Oh yeah, dude, the Nintendo. Oh my god, the Nintendo fucking hack was ridiculous and i actually one of the my, my biggest regrets was not writing a story uh, about like the i wanted to write for level one gaming like a, a like a list of all of like the major stuff that came out out of, mm-hmm. out of those leaks and stuff and we learned so much historical stuff and it's almost a shame that nintendo hid that away from us by the way just for pure historical data you know but yeah yeah um, but the Capcom leaks uh, was more of like a situation. It's like, hey, we got this game is in development, development, and it's targeting this release date and stuff. You know, p- pretty much ruining Capcom's PR plans. Um, but yeah, yeah, and it's, it's important. An important reminder too is that none of those I put those together because both qualified as they were not 
actual leaks. They hacks, were yeah, attacked, you know, hacks, attacked, yeah. attacked on the servers and stuff. Yeah. So uh, next up was the Game Awards 2020. We recently covered that. And I think was it last week's episode that we covered? Yeah, we covered last week about like how we bitched about <laughs> the format. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think as far as just uh, my piece is, is that the Game Awards is rigged. Uh, <laughs> the Last of Us did not deserve to win seven awards. It, it deserved to win some awards, but not all. Not the ones. Not all of them. So yeah. Um, I don't know if I would. I don't know what else I want to say on that other than um, you know it's uh, it, it's a show. It's I'll, popular. <laughs> I, yeah, I will say that you're entitled to to your opinion. I don't, but it's not. You know, the show is not rigged. I I hear plenty of people say that it's not a rigged show. It's just. <laughs> There's people all over the world that are voting on it, and the game that's the most popular with the most people will win in every category, and that's how a lot of other award shows work, too. So um, games that perhaps are very popular in a country but not, you know, globally may have a harder time. It's actually – it seems like to be very U.S.-centered, by the way, actually, mm. where I know that there are games that were very popular in the U.S. this year that did not necessarily have that big of a global reach. Uh, that were very represented in the Game Awards versus maybe games that were big in other countries but not as big here. Um, I d- did not get as represented. But nonetheless, I-, I-, I have my opinions of what I think an award show for games, the ideal award show for games should be like. But, you know, I- I'm not the one that's getting uh, 83 million <laughs> views on, a- <laughs> on my show like Jeff Keighley is. So the truth is uh, props to Keighley for being able to to put that together. And at the end of the day, it's a positive show. It's a fun time. And I, I really enjoyed having that this year when we didn't have an e3 Mm. i feel like it kind of fulfilled scratched that itch for me a little bit where i thought that the game awards felt a little bit more like an e3 than than anything we got during summer game fest personally yeah true true um you know the game industry did gather together which is i think the only gathering of the game industry in uh in 2020 so probably true um now, now the uh, second to last story that you put here is my my random emulator stories so i know that we covered slippy uh with like the the slippy uh, mod for for uh, dolphin emulator to play melee online i can't think of any other emulator stories i think you mentioned something before we started rolling but i can't remember yeah well the more recent one is just the the xbox oh, yeah. uh, emulating that's that's uh ps2 games right and yeah there there's just some funny it, it's it's cool I, I actually think it's like a good part a cool part of our show because i don't think a lot of other shows like this cover that kind of stuff um so i i, I thought it was cool that uh you often brought up things like that there were there were a bunch in the beginning of the year but i don't i don't really yeah, remember them I brought specifically up, anymore i brought up the the uh the hacks that were the mods for smash brothers like every every week mm-hmm. i came to the table with a different smash mod uh just yes. to like you know like fuck with dan because i was the smash guy before i became the Fortnite guy <laughs> uh but yeah no yep. there's, there's there's a there's definitely a scene out there and and it's uh there's a there's a uh, Project M documentary in the works, by the way. I have it on good authority that uh, a Project M documentary is happening, and uh, it's gonna be like similar to the to the Melee doc. It's gonna be uh, what uh, this documentary will be what the Melee doc was to Melee, and uh, also um, I don't think we covered this in this in the, in like in our any of traditional episode, but there was a huge story about how like uh, Nintendo and Twitch like killed uh, Project M and stuff like that, and even like coerced people and stuff like that, and you know. It was it was really dirty, underhanded techniques and stuff, and it's kind of crazy that they were talking about like these streamers and stuff, and they were going to lose their partner status if they continued to stream Project M and and all that stuff. And you know, it, it was uh, there's a whole twit longer on that, by the way. So uh, we're not going to cover it here, but just saying there's some shady shit that happened with with uh, with PM and that how it it died an unjustified death. 
Um, you sure you don't want to just cover it there? <laughs> don't you want to just bring it up and we'll go into a 20-minute talk nah. about uh, Project M? Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> uh, so my, uh, speaking, of, uh, speaking of Smash Brothers, though, uh, just to run down every new character that came to us in 2020, started off early in the year with Byleth, then, it, then Min Min, then Steve, and lastly, Sephiroth is out now. So those are your characters for 2020. Which, at the end of the day, I, I think we got to hand it to Nintendo for being able to deliver on four new uh, Smash characters with their respective, you know, fighter passes and, and me costumes and stages and everything else in the year of 2020, despite all the problems. I think they were supposed to deliver yes, five, right? Yeah, it was supposed so to be five, yeah. One slipped out, but still, I mean, four in the year, I think that's pretty, that's pretty solid. Yeah, it's still good. I mean, the quality of the characters, I feel like, I don't know, like... No one liked, no one was really clamoring for Byleth. And I feel like Min Min, although Min Min is like, you know, oh my God, it's an arms. It's like arms is being represented in Smash. But I feel like Min Min didn't bring the hype. I think with Steve and Sephiroth, they're the first two characters that actually do bring the hype. But it's really, it's really weird because like I was, the only one that really makes me happy is Steve. Um, Whereas everyone else is kind of like, you know, I'm not mad, (laughs) but I'm like, right. You know, just disappointed. I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> yeah, with with arms, I mean, honestly, with, like Byleth and Min Min, to me, that's just kind of very typical. Like Nintendo wants to promote their own games in the system, right? Uh, Fire Emblem Three Houses is a great game. They want to promote it. Uh, and then uh, Min Min, you know, they want to promote arms. I I don't think arms did that well, by the no. way. Like, I, it, I it did died. people really play arms? It, I feel like it just kind of... It died, but it also, it was, it was, it made a huge splash because it was one of the few Nintendo Switch games to buy it, like, during, during the launch window, by the way. So it's like, the Switch came out in, like, in March, that game debuted in June. So it's like, you know, everyone rallied around, like, you know, games that, you know, were... Yeah, because it was very your star for content kind of stuff. But now it's not. The yeah, case it's like anymore. that typical launch window story where it's like, you know, this game came out like on launch or launch window. So everybody that bought the console is playing it. But then five years later, people don't even remember that it exists. Right. <laughs> like, I don't I don't think arms is going to keep its position in uh, switches by the time it's all said and done. Right. And, and switches like top top 20, either top yeah. sellers or even top uh, 25 games. Right. Or anything like that. So, yeah, um, I would like to yeah. see like IGN's list of top 25 nintendo switch games and see if if arms even <laughs> makes the list which i don't even i don't they even make, think it's there now. i don't even think they yeah. make that list anymore i haven't seen that list in a long time no they do oh, they, they do and they they do and they actually updated more often than they used yeah, to. yeah like the they summer version like, the winter version yeah yes. i know i know uh I'll, I'll send you the current ones i i i, I keep an eye on those i, damn, I always I have like not seen i have updated. not seen them since the wii u days like i usually am good at seeing ign videos mm-hmm. But yeah, that's uh, that's the biggest news of that was the of year. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. We went over time, which is insane. I didn't. I'm glad. I'm glad Dan you didn't say you didn't bitch me out about my me running the show. <laughs> but, oh no, it's all right. But yeah, you know, I it's it's both our our fault because. <laughs> <laughs> I uh I went on some rants and then you also went on some rants and uh we'll see when the when the time codes come up like how long um what were the, what were the things that took the longest that shouldn't have. Do you really <laughs> want to do time codes on each story cuz I think we should just do a time code on topic of the show and that's it. Boom, leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I'll, I'll I'll figure it out. Okay. Uh, well, I won't okay, I won't do time codes. Yeah, you're right. I won't do time codes for this, but I will do time codes for the rest of the show. Of course, like always. Yeah. Yeah, this will just be the topic of the show. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It is time to end, so thank you so much for joining us for uh, the last traditional episode of Ready Press Play in 2020. Remember, you can catch the podcast at readyplaynetwork.com or simply at Ready Press Play on Twitter or TikTok. I'm on Twitter at Chakalaka88. Dan. 
at the Dan Lima. So don't forget to subscribe to subscribe and give us a review and tell your friends about the show and all that good stuff. Peace out. Louis, thank you for the great year making this podcast and I hope you have happy holidays and a happy new year and all that. And the same to the audience, by the thank way. Thank you, man. See you next See time. You.